0: Welcome to another Zelda podcast. I am David, one of your co-hosts for the episode today, and I am joined with my regular co-host Katie Roberts. Katie, how are you?
1: I'm doing so great. I was a little sleepy coming over here. I'll be honest, the past week or two, I haven't been waking up until like 1.30. What? 1.30? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Me and my roommates have been...
0: Is it like you're staying up late? Because that kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah. Like, not going to bed until like 3 or 4. Well, that'll do it. Yeah. Uh, my roommate made the mistake of getting me into League of Legends, which oh is a huge red flag of me. I know. I'm so sorry. but um, Wait, I've... why is that a red flag? <laughs> there's, Wait, like... there's a lot. I don't know how much you know about League of Legends, but there's like a lot of um, discourse about the the fans of League of Legends oh. and about who they are as people.
0: Fair enough. Okay, um,
1: But uh, I've just been having fun playing with my friends. Yeah. And I like... I, I really liked Overwatch, but then Overwatch kind of went downhill and has continued to go into the mm. gutter. Um, so I switched over to League for a little bit and I've been having fun playing support class.
0: Overwatch was a response to League of Legends. Like Blizzard yeah. made Overwatch to have it be their version of, like, their League of Legends, Absolutely. you could say.
1: No, I loved it um, until they came out with Overwatch 2. Oh. and which was, I didn't
0: even know that happened.
1: Yeah, which was fine, um, because originally they, sorry, this is like going off of I mean, a whole different thing, but I, I need to get this out there. Sure. Um, we
0: haven't se- by the way, we haven't seen each other in like two or three months. Yeah. Um we're we are let me say this real quick. We are recording an epic three episode day today. We are together. <laughs> it's a it's a blistery, freezing cold Saturday. It's one of the coldest Saturdays or, or days in Chicago yeah. for the winter right now. Negative, negative ten degrees with like a negative thirty-five degree wind chill. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, So we are toasty warm in this apartment. We're recording three episodes. I think it's the next three right in a row. So as our listeners listen, it's this one, it's the next one, and the next one. So we're having like a fun little winter day. So we've got plenty of time. So what are your thoughts on League of Legends?
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, League is amazing. Love it. Perfect. Um, Rakan is my favorite character to play. If anyone plays League, you should know who that is. Um, But... As for Overwatch, again, I really liked playing support and it was really great. And then they said, because everyone really liked the cinematics that came out of Overwatch because they would release them for different characters and like stories. Everyone loved the story behind Overwatch. Honestly, a lot of people liked it, including me, more than the actual like PvP gameplay. Mm. So they said, we're going to make Overwatch 2, which is going to be a story game. Weird. We're going to be playing, we're going to put you in kind of like Call of Duty style where you can play against people but you can do the story as well. And everyone was super excited. They released all new, like like they redesigned all the characters. It was looking great. They sure. came out with Overwatch 2, got rid of Overwatch 1, which is weird. Like
0: stopped supporting it?
1: Yeah, like they completely got rid of Overwatch 1. They like just
0: Killed called the it servers. O-
1: yeah, they just called it Overwatch 2 now, Oh. oh. which is weird. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, so there's not like Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2. It's just Overwatch 2 now. I don't know why. And so if
0: you owned Overwatch 1 and it just, logged like, in or whatever, well, it would say Overwatch 2?
1: Yeah, it just updated to be Overwatch 2 now. Weird. But, not,
0: not like v you know, it's like version 2, but they just call it 2. Yeah. Huh? I don't, I'm, I'm interrupting iPod. Probably- no,
1: you're fine. I'm just, what I'm frustrated about is they kept dragging us along, saying like, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We're like, okay, okay, whatever. We can we can let you get away with having some more powered characters. We can let you get away with all this different kind of stuff, map issues, because you're working on Overwatch 2 story mode. Like, we'll get that. And then they said recently, um, like a year or two ago, oh, we're not doing story mode. On Overwatch 2? Yeah, we're not doing that. We're like, why did you make Overwatch 2 then? (laughs) So that turned me away from them, and now they're having a lot of issues with like the new character manga being overpowered and all that. Blizzard's
0: gone through a lot of regime changes over the past couple of years, and literally, like, you know, companies, uh, didn't Microsoft buy them or someone bought them or something?
1: Something like that, and they've been having a lot of issues just lawsuit-wise, and they're just not a great company.
0: Well, perhaps, yeah, I don't know anything about that. (laughs) um, it's okay we don't have to get into it I was gonna say
1: if you're a woman probably don't work for blizzard Um, long story short of it
0: I see um
1: they're just they're not great
0: workplace type stuff yeah got it a lot of it I see that's unfortunate Mm -hmm. all right fair enough well um (laughs) on that note uh did you well on that note let's let's uh, let me bring you a fun little factoid did you know that Nintendo the company the company Nintendo uh there was something I did not prepare this in my notes I just am pulling this up to try to have it relate to what we were just talking about they um i can't speak to women in the workplace over Mm -hmm. in japan i think it is mostly a bunch of males that work over there but but that aside did you know that nintendo um just got it was just released that they were recognized as being the company that has the longest or the least amount of turnover the longest employment so people who work for nintendo like for um employee satisfaction Mm -hmm. they spend their entire career working for nintendo And, and nintendo got recognized as being one of the Quote unquote best workplace experiences when it comes to longevity.
1: I'd believe it. I mean, when I think it was when we talked about like the behind the scenes of Breath of the Wild that episode, and we were talking about um, just how they made the game, it already sounded like it was an amazing place to work with them taking breaks and like throwing stuff at the wall and yeah. just like pl- taking time to like sit down and play the game all together. It's, it seems like a really fun place to work.
0: It does. And we always hear about the higher ups sticking around, you know, mm. um, the, the people who literally made the first legend of zelda still work on the current (laughs) zelda games to a certain degree to this day maybe with the exception of miyamoto because he's off making theme parks and movies right now but i mean i i I, he's fantastic but that's that's kind of the natural progression for his career Mm -hmm. anyway i think um is to be the be the the harbinger of like mario and bring mario to more things which i totally support but um but there is there's absolutely people who Currently have become directors for the current Zelda games that started with Link's Awakening, which is what we're talking there about we today. <laughs> Let's get into this. Let's that was organic and by accident. So today, Katie. Yes. We're it's been a while. We're doing a quote unquote review mm-hmm. episode. I think it's been almost a good season or two um, since we've done one. No
1: pressure. <laughs>
0: well, i I not to put too fine a point on it, but back when this show first started, the first couple of seasons, I just had a co-host, Katie, mm-hmm. uh, or no, Kate, pardon me. Oh my gosh. It's so <laughs> yeah, K-A-T-E. Kate and I started this show. And for the first two seasons, we would do a couple review episodes. And while we were going through season three and four and all that, and we was like a big group of people and Kate was still involved. I was kind of always saving these review episodes to do with Kate. Mm-hmm. And as we were making season six here, season six has been a very successful season. and I'm very pleased with it. And since you've joined the show and... Since we both live in the same city and you're becoming, uh, like I said, basically a regular co-host, I was like, well, I think that this is natural and organic to do some of these episodes mm-hmm. with Katie. And furthermore, what's kind of cool about this, this episode we're doing right now Is that this is a Link's Awakening 2019 version Mm -hmm. review? And Kate and I did speak, we did a Link's Awakening review episode back in like season one, you know, five, six years ago. And so we're not re reviewing Link's Awakening, but your experience has been with Link's Awakening 2019. Yes. You've never played the Game Boy version, at least at any length, I understand. Mm -mm. So this is like what I'm excited about this is that it's because you and I have such different experiences with being introduced to the Zelda series, which is one of my favorite things about when we talk about these shows, uh, uh, when we talk about these games on these episodes. Weirdly, like, you're seeing Link's Awakening as Nintendo intended for that 2019 release. The reason Mm -hmm. that game was even made was, well, let's let another generation be able to experience this game. Um, So I think that's super cool. We also, I mean, not to put, not to like, put too much behind the curtain here or whatever, but we are 100% putting together an Ocarina of time 3d episode right now that you Mm -hmm. and I are going to do as a review episode. Obviously Kate and I talked about it. I don't, I think it was season two. We did an Ocarina of time Mm -hmm. review of the original software.
1: I'm working on Skyward sword remastered. We're going to do
0: Skyward sword next season. Um, Well, we have a couple Skyward Sword episodes still in this season, Mm -hmm. actually. I think we're doing a characters one and stuff like that. But anyway, so I am so excited about this. This felt like the perfect way to transition back into doing these review episodes. Mm -hmm. And so I thank you for playing the game and coming here so we can talk about it.
1: I mean, not to give anything away, but I loved it. It was great.
0: Link's Awakening, uh, I've said it 100 million times, is my quote-unquote favorite Zelda game because (laughs) it was my first. Um, I actually think I probably get a little more satisfaction out of Breath of the Wild and, by extension, Tears of the Kingdom these days. But Mm -hmm. Link's Awakening... It was uh, was the one that I held near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, did you know I, th- I saw some sales charts the other day? And when A Link to the Past came out, the Super Nintendo game, mm-hmm. it outsold Link's Awakening initially. But I-, I wonder if the 2019 numbers are included in this. But Link's Awakening has now is now um, one of the higher selling mm-hmm. Zelda games. I bet you the metric I saw included the 2019 probably.
1: Release. Yeah, because I mean they are basically the same game. I would imagine they um...
0: are. Play mechanic-wise, yeah. exactly the same game. Okay. So much so that I would even offer that maybe there's some like original code or some copy-paste code running way deep down <laughs> in the background of this 2019 release because it is if you play the 2019 release of Link's Awakening, I think you can tell anybody that you've played Link's Awakening. Mm. There's one main difference that I can think of. Um the the shop, which we'll get into, the shop game where you do the claw grabbing yes. in the 2019 version, it uses an actual physics engine. And in the Game Boy version, it's kind of just more like.
1: Oh, I wish it was like that.
0: (laughs) If if that's the biggest difference, you know what I mean? Anyways, to the point where even like the tiles are all in the exact same spots and everything. I love this 2019 remake. Real quick, um, I just want to set it up a little bit. And I'm going to basically ask you what your first impressions were. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to set up a little bit that Grezzo was the company that made this remake. And Grezzo is a little bit famous in Zelda history because they were the ones that were first assigned to do the Ocarina of Time 3D Mm. remake, question mark, for the 3DS for Nintendo, which you and I are are, are playing right now. In a couple months, we'll be reviewing. So the first gig, so, you know, many years ago, five or six years ago, when the 3DS was still pretty hot. And actually, I think the Ocarina of Time 3D game came out pretty much right as the 3DS came out. Because remember, it was almost like a release game. It was kind of one Mm. that was like in the commercials and stuff like that. Anyway, Nintendo found this company, Grezzo, or rather maybe Grezzo found Nintendo. But anyway, they got the gig to port this 3D version of Ocarina of Time. The Ocarina of Time 3D game really does actually use original source code from Ocarina. It's very cool. They basically did a bunch, a bunch of texture rebuilds and they, you know, added some extra geometry, rebuild some of the character models. But the animation is a lot of it's the original code and all of that kind of stuff. And it went so well that when fans wanted Majora's Mask on the 3DS, Nintendo was like, yeah, no problem. Go for it, Grezzo. <laughs> IG and Numa got a little bit more involved in the Majora's Mask remake because they did make some changes on that one. Mm-hmm. That one's there's enough changes in the Majora's Mask 3D that I kind of think... It's not exactly the same experience as playing the um, 64 mm-hmm. one, but I digress. Anyway, so over the course of three or four years, Nintendo creates this great relationship with Grezzo, G-R-E-Z-Z-O, that behind the scenes, basically, uh, Grezzo approaches them and, sa- and you know, n- Nintendo was in, um, this is all hearsay right now. I don't have the notes in front of me, mm-hmm. but Nintendo was looking to have Link's Awakening remade. They were releasing it at the color versions and all that kind of stuff. And apparently, you know, Grezzo was assigned to build it from the ground up as a full realized game so they just kept getting promoted yeah the 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 grezzo nintendo relationship at least so far is a healthy one and so that's how link's awakening 2019 was made grezzo made it with nintendo's full support it's a first party game and i love it
1: that's awesome
0: i love that little story so with all of that aside what were your first impressions of this game
1: well first before we get into first impressions i think we got to do listener feedback
0: katie Thank you so much. It's been so long. It's been months since I've recorded an episode. I mean, the, the most recent episode, it was, was TC and I talking about the Zelda TV show. But he and yeah. I recorded that thing like three months ago. It was, around, <laughs> it was like October. I think we were talking about like, oh, hey, it's starting to get cold out. The leaves are falling. Yeah. It's been so long. It's, the holidays have passed since I recorded an AZP episode. And I truly appreciate you. We need to do listener <laughs> feedback. I totally forgot it. Oh, let's go. Okay. Let's do it. Um, I'll, I'll pull some up here. Actually, I think we have some for you as well. Yeah. D- I might have to pull up my Google Drive real fast. Why don't you do one right now? Okay.
1: Um, I could be wrong, but I think this comes to us from YouTube. Question Possible,
0: mark? or some of these are like Spotify comments too. By the okay. way.
1: Okay. Um, it is from I believe AZPIZ number one. Ooh. Which is kind of cool. And it's just titled, it's awesome in all caps, uh, (laughs) three exclamation points, four red hearts. And we got five stars. So go us. Can I
0: look at that screenshot? Yeah. That might be iTunes or Apple. This is Apple podcast. Oh, this is Apple podcast. Okay. My
1: apologies. No worries. Um, It says, I was on YouTube and searched for Zelda podcast, not expecting results, but instead I found the podcast. I've been going back and catching up, but I have jumped around some. It's a good thing to listen to while doing homework and hanging around the house. I shared it with my uncle, hoping he would enjoy it as much as I do. Keep up the good work, guys.
0: Shared it with my uncle. That's cool. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about doing a show about the Zelda games is that at this point, it is cross-generational. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Parents and kids. It has Zelda has been around, I guess you could say technically, for generations. Maybe yeah. only two generations, but it's been around for generations at this point. Very cool. Awesome. Yes, I've got I have, thank you for that, because I was able to pull my screenshots up here. Um, I have one from this one's and a direct message on Instagram. Ooh. Keith Cornick messaged us. And if I may I'm fumbling around with the Google Drive app a little bit here. There we go. <clears throat> this one came to us back in November. Well, between recording the most recent episode <laughs> and this. Um, uh, Keith here says, hey, just wanted to say that I love the podcast. I stumbled across it a couple weeks ago and have been trying to catch up listening to them since the beginning. The first Zelda game I played and fell in love with was, of course, Ocarina of Time for Nintendo 64. Since then, I jumped into Breath of the Wild and Link's Awakening. Ha ha ha! And now I'm hooked. I found your podcast, and it has rekindled my interest in the Zelda franchise. I'm trying to get my hands on many of the games I have yet to play. Recently, I found a GameCube for sale and found Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. Long mm-hmm. story short... Love what you're doing and the content is amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you, Keith. This is kind of a new thing for us. Um, Spotify, just a couple months ago, maybe six months ago now, mm-hmm. to be honest, allows people to add comments right to, comments and reviews right to episodes in Spotify. Yeah. And uh, you know, I say all the time that leaving a comment for us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to help the algorithm. And it, it's the best way to support the show, quite frankly, because mm-hmm. um, it helps us get a little bit more exposure. But this also leaving comments on Spotify is almost the same algorithm feature over on Spotify. So thank you so much for that, Keith. Uh, I can't wait for Keith to jump into Twilight Princess.
1: Yeah. Um, Talking about Spotify, uh, we do have a Spotify comment and it's specifically on the Zelda Wii U episode, which was really fun to record. That was you and I. Mm -hmm. It was our little Breath of the Wild behind the scenes. You have been
0: on the show long enough that people are commenting on episodes we've recorded. This is very exciting. It's
1: very exciting. Um, And this is from, excuse me if I pronounce your name wrong, I'm so sorry, um, Cece, or Sessy Contador.
0: Oh yes. I saw this one.
1: Hopefully I said that correctly. If not, I apologize. Um, it says only have 200 characters to show how in love I am with the show. Great analysis, by the way, I hope this helps the Spotify algorithm (laughs) and with six green hearts, (laughs)
0: green hearts, spreading that Zelda love. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun episode to do. That was cool. A lot of fun.
1: Wii U. Any, any excuse I can get to uh, talk about Breath of the Wild, i will take.
0: <laughs> indeed. Indeed. I, I'm trying to guess what our next behind-the-scenes episode might be. Obviously, it'll be in Season 7 or something like that. Um, I do think Wind Waker had a pretty interesting development uh, process, mm-hmm. so maybe that's one that we could kind of My put...
1: roommate has been trying to get me to play Wind Waker all year, so yeah. it's her favorite.
0: On GameCube? On Wii U? Uh the HD one, I think
1: she played it on GameCube. Yeah, that's fine. But I that's cool on anything, she's been wanting me to play it on anything. The GameCube <laughs> one's great,
0: awesome, interesting. I, it's inevitable, maybe. Mm. Yeah, it's inevitable. Anyway, At yeah, Cece, thank you. Our Ceci, love it. And I because we did these a little out of order, I have two more, so I'll just do them real quick okay. here, Katie. Uh, this is over on No, This one it might also be Spotify, actually. We're Spotify heavy today, I love it. Um, yes, definitely. This is Spotify. It's our 15th episode of season six, favorite monsters. Another one you and I did. Mm-hmm kind of recently, and Eleanor here says, Ocarina of Time was my first ever Zelda game. I love it, and I have gotten many of my friends to also play. I have been listening since the very beginning of this show. I love you guys so much. Three green hearts, Ella. Listening (laughs) since the beginning. Ella, you've been with us for like six years. This is amazing. Thank you. Welcome, and thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being around. Too too cool. Um, Let's see here. And then last but not least, this is another Apple Podcast review. Five stars by Kayoyaka, kyoyaka. K Y O Y A K A. We'll go Kay-a-ka? with it. Koyaka, Perhaps that's a perhaps that's a word that I don't, I don't know what it is. But anyway, super cool. Uh, best Zelda podcast! Exclamation point! <laughs> a lot of a lot of love from the from the listeners today. I, I, this is a great way to get back into recording yeah. these episodes. It's almost been like a weird little mid season break for us. Even though as the episodes come out, the listeners maybe haven't experienced it, but mm-hmm. we've had this little um, hiatus of recording. I've tried a lot of Zelda podcasts, but this is by far the best one. I'm a new Zelda player, so I've learned a lot from listening to AZP. Can't wait to see what you guys do next, green heart emoji. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Kai- Kayo Yaka. Uh, thank you so much. This one, this message came to us actually back in September, just around the time that we were probably recording our last episodes. Yeah, I love what we're doing too.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're in the same boat, you and I, so no worries there.
0: That's right, yeah, new Zelda, new Zelda player fantastic Katie thank you so much for that reminder I'm going to pull up my show notes here but mm-hmm. in the meantime um so going into this game Link's mm-hmm. Awakening you were I, I'm sure you were aware that it originally was the Game Boy game yes and so you know one of the things that's interesting about the one thing that the Switch has done is that it's really blurred the line between what's a mobile game and what's a uh or what's a handheld game and what's a console game mm-hmm. and in the olden days you could see this like in like Metroid Zero Mission and in some other games that would appear on GameCube and, and and then also like there'd be a version on Game Boy or something like that or a franchise rather. Hmm. Whenever something was on a Game Boy, they, the games would have these like little bits and pieces of the narrative it, because at any point the kid or the person playing just can turn the Game Boy off. Yeah. And because it's a handheld game or a mobile game or whatever you want to call it. Um, It's expected that the players play in shorter bursts. Mm -hmm. I personally think that's why the Switch has this really nice kind of like saves that the auto save state. If you just go to your menu real quick, it'll auto save state any game. That's a great way that they blurred the line between a console game and a handheld. Um, You know, in in the olden days, console games, you'd have to push through until you hit another save point or something like Mm -hmm. that. That's not the case with Link's Awakening. You could save at any time. So sometimes what happens with, when a handheld game gets ported to or remade on a console, sometimes that pacing can change and be a little mm-hmm. weird. Actually, quite frankly, when Majora's Mask got put to 3DS, some of the main changes they made were to compensate for that pacing mm-hmm. and to allow people to, to to enter and exit the game at a quicker pace. Was any of that on your mind as you were playing uh, Link's Awakening? Like, oh, I'm actually playing a handheld game.
1: Yeah, I mean... I didn't think about it as much as soon as you just started talking because I... Well, until you just started talking about sure. it because...
0: It was a I, bit long-winded. It's okay. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. I... So I have been trying to play um, some of the old God of War games recently on okay. um, the PlayStation because they have like that streaming thing. So I've been playing the original one and I've been really feeling that with that, that I realized I, I didn't feel at all with Link's Awakening. Feeling the
0: staggered save states and so, or whatever.
1: Where I'm feeling like I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I could just save and close because I'm getting frustrated and I don't want to keep playing, but I don't want to lose my progress. Yeah, because of that longer drawn out time with Link's Awakening, I didn't feel really any of that because it was so easy to get something done, accomplish it. Okay, I'm done for the day. Or I just, I have 15 minutes between classes. I can play for a little bit. Okay, I'm good. Call it. So I was really appreciative of that. I am someone that I am a, uh, like, big, there's like a term for it. I'm blanking it now, but I save all the time. I'm constantly saving in case something goes wrong. In case I make a decision I don't like, I can go back. Got save it. scummer. That's
0: what it's called. Oh, okay. I am
1: a save scummer and Got I'm it. proud. Um, so I... Stress, it stresses me out if I'm in a game that I can't save and, like, close whenever I need to. Yeah. So I was very grateful for that because even just playing Skyward Sword, where there is still, like, everywhere you can save, I still am like, there's not enough there's not enough places for me to save in this game.
0: <laughs> Skyward Sword was still in that kind That's just where video games were mm-hmm. a decade ago, is that you still had to, like, oh, walk up to the pedestal and save there or something. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until... Recently, where the, the kind of save anytime you want was really a thing, though I want to note that on the original Game Boy version of Link's Awakening, what they did to compensate for this, what normally would be s- scattered save points, I guess, um, is that you could push select start A and B all at the same time on mm-hmm. the Game Boy for the original Link's Awakening, and it would bring up a menu that would like save and continue or save and quit. And what they would do is every time Link went in or out of a door, that they would automatically save. And that was kind of a new thing back then. That was their way to compensate for some Mm -hmm. of that pacing, which might be the same way Link's Awakening saves now, honestly. It
1: might be. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. Um, I think, which it should be a good thing that I wasn't paying too much attention because it felt natural. It flowed really well.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you feel? Let's do this. One of the big things for someone who had played the original Link's Awakening and then played this version is that the graphics are weirdly identical, but the, the style is completely different yeah um, do you have any thoughts about playing a top-down Zelda game is this your first top-down Zelda game
1: it is my first top-down um it threw me off when I first played it mm. uh I said I first played it because as I've done with literally every single Zelda game I've played at this point I think it's because they're all so different that it throws me off every time <laughs> is I went in I played like 15 minutes was like this is weird closed out of it didn't touch it for a few months and then you were like oh you should play Link's Awakening I was like okay so I went back in restarted the game and actually sat and played through it. And then I was like, oh, this game's delightful. I love it. It's yeah. so cute. Yeah. Um, but the, I think the art style threw me off at first. It reminds me of those like tiny tot toys.
0: I think that's kind of what they were going yeah. for.
1: Yeah, um, it, like it just it caught me off guard. But that being said, when I actually like went in a second time, knew what I was getting into, I really enjoyed it. I will say um, I'm a big fan of the YouTube channel, The Game Grumps. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And they are known they played all the Zelda games on their podcast. And when I first joined this podcast, I was like, I need to learn the old games. So I sat and watched a few of their playthroughs of like, the old games. I didn't realize, because I didn't think I'd watched any Link's Awakening from the old. But okay. it, was it um, 64 or Game Boy? It was the Game Boy.
0: The original Link's Awakening was Game Boy. It was really the fourth Zelda game ever.
1: Yeah. Until I went up against the Dodongo Snakes. And I was right. like, "Why do I know exactly how to beat this?" Uh, and I came to my realization that I had watched them do some of these bosses, and it, I just didn't realize because it looked completely different. But mechanic wise, mm-hmm. I instantly knew how to do it. Yeah. So that was kind of cool.
0: The mechanics in this game are identical to the Game Boy mechanics, with the exception of uh, you'd be using a couple. One of the great things is they mapped some stuff to some extra buttons because the Switch has more buttons yeah. than a Game Boy. The most unfortunate thing about the original game boy version is that there is only a and b so there's a lot of pausing going in the menu and reassigning items to mm-hmm. your to your buttons and so they were very smart about that but in every other way the the timing the pace the speed the, mm-hmm. the way link moves the uh the amount of you know frames a sword swings the, the angle of the sword swing is, is almost identical this this game is an absolute delight and a pleasure it was actually actually i just realized something <laughs> Um, it was Not only was it my first Zelda game, but it was my first Switch game. Really? <laughs> so I actually did play Breath of the Wild before The Link's Awakening um, remake came out, obviously. But I was playing it on my Wii U. Okay. I, for the first two or three seasons of this show, I was playing Breath of the Wild on the Wii U because I didn't have a Switch yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a Switch until about th- season three of this show. And it was exactly it was about a month or two after, I guess, 2019. You know, when, September 20th, 2019 is when this game actually was released. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was just shortly September, October, November. Wait, but my birthday's in April. Oh my gosh, was this game out for like half a year before I got it? <laughs> That's very possible. But it was the it was absolutely I, I, I received a Switch from my partner at the time as a birthday gift, and the very first thing I wanted to do was um was purchase Link's Awakening. <gasps> it's true. It's true. It had come out way before I got a switch because uh way over here I've got the Link's Awakening amiibo <laughs> somewhere around here on one of these shelves. And I actually bought it before buying the game (laughs) just because I was so excited about the game coming out. Anyways, 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 I digress. It was actually my first Switch game. So for me, it was like I was learning what Switch graphics even felt like. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes the frame rate drops a little bit in this game, but otherwise it's just gorgeous and smooth.
1: I like how shiny everything looks. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and I I love the little tilt shift feature where things are in and out of focus in the foreground and the background Mm -hmm. to make it look even more miniaturized. Yeah. One thing that you may never experience unless we in a season or two or three do a deep dive and well, actually when you and I eventually play Oracle of Seasons or Oracle of Ages, mm-hmm. you're gonna feel the uh, you're gonna feel the item selection hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> unless... I was already feeling it in Link's Awakening. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was already I was actually something I put in my notes. I was like, it's weird that I have to choose between being able to jump and being able to run.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And actually Link's Awakening is the first game that Link ever was able to jump.
1: Which is so fascinating to me because on one hand I knew that he wasn't able to for a long time mm-hmm. but on the other hand I'm like, how how could he have done this?
0: Yeah And if Breath of the Wild was your introduction to Zelda, Breath of the Wild was the first time that link had an assigned jump button mm-hmm. ever 20 games in yeah and and quite frankly, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward there's zero there's no jump button, there's no yeah. jumping you know May, can you jump in Skyward Sword? I don't think so.
1: You, the only way you can is if you're sprinting and you go to a ledge and then it lets you jump. Oh,
0: so it's an auto jump. It's yeah, an auto there's jump. There's no which, jump button. Exactly,
1: which yeah. I, again, I've been feeling that really hard going back and playing not only these older Zelda games, but also, like I said, going back and playing this old God of War. Mm-hmm. I literally was talking to my roommate the other day. I'm like, I'm so glad I was born in the era of gaming I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, I could not have survived if this was how gaming was for me 24 first
0: seven. We just didn't, There was. it was the best It. Yeah. like when I, I remember getting Link's Awakening. You knew
1: nothing else. You knew nothing well, better <laughs> and quite
0: frankly there wasn't anything better. yeah so the, the the fact that zelda was even on a game boy system was just ecstasy just yeah. bliss it was the coolest thing ever and the fact that you're switching in and out to change your items there was nothing to compare it to and it was the best thing ever
1: yeah <laughs> no that i think that's why every time i've gone back uh playing any old zelda game or playing any old game in general it, it takes me two playthroughs to like actually go through at least because i just it catches me off guard and i'm like trying to rewrite or like rewire my brain to think in a certain way. And I just, I need a minute.
0: (laughs) Technically video games really kind of, you know, started in the seventies. I'm a child of the eighties. I was born in 81, but as far as like home consoles go, Mm -hmm. even, even Atari was like 78 or 79 or something like that. But really Nintendo, I remember the Nintendo entertainment system being invented. I was alive for that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've kind of, weirdly, I'm that age where I was right at the beginning of what gaming at home was mm-hmm. like. And so I'm very grateful to have that in my experience. But you're absolutely right. You can, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, I guess it's about 30 years later, 35, oh my gosh. Um, you can see how every five to 10 years the, 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 the vernacular of gaming, how it evolves and changes.
1: Yeah, it was cool growing up because I believe our first console was a Game Boy, although I don't remember it as much because I was really young, but my older cousin gave it to my brother and me.
0: Oh, so um, it was probably already a hand-me-down. Yeah, like it was a probably, hand-me-down. Yeah.
1: And so we I think we just had like Pokemon on it, but really I would what I would actually consider my first console because it's the first thing I remember playing was either the 3DS or the Xbox 360. Interesting. Which is crazy. Um, But it is kind of cool because that did mean a lot getting that first console. So when I got my... Mm-hmm. I ended up updating my Switch and getting a the Tears of the Kingdom exclusive one. Okay. Which is really cool. Oh, um,
0: oh, oh. Oh, I didn't yeah. know this. That's cool. Yeah,
1: I got it uh, when I was in New York over the summer. Love it. And so I was like, you know, what? please I don't tell need... me
0: you bought it at the Nintendo store. I did.
1: Whoa! I wasn't actually Love planning it. on buying it, but I was I there, mean, but and you I was see like, it. you know what? I, know. I when am I gonna say I'm gonna be here and be able to buy the new Switch when the game just came out?
0: Buying the Tears of the Kingdom OLED Switch at the Nintendo store in New York is like put a pin in it life moment. It's exactly just, you made the right choice.
1: Um, but I was like, I'm, I'm not gonna need two switches, so it was a nice moment because my little cousin slash nieces. Um, I was able to give them my old Switch love and it. kind of start it from the beginning again, which is yeah. kind of cool. Amazing. And then it was cool this Christmas because they were getting them all Switch games. And I was like, yes.
0: Let's talk about the characters a little bit here. Yeah, um, I love this so much. I I was almost going to skip talking about Link, but let's start with talking about Link. Mm-hmm. It's, it's corporeal. It's a different Link. Yeah. Um, thoughts?
1: He's cute. <laughs> <laughs> He's cute. He's just a little guy. Um, I think his little animations are always really funny and his little high pitched voice. I mean, obviously he seems well, okay. Here's what's hard is I'm like, okay, obviously in the game, he seems like, like a little kid, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the game boy had this, but the beginning and the end of the game has an animated cut scene. Yes. Um, which first off, I wish they would make a Zelda movie like that in that style. Cause it's very like studio Ghibli and I love it. Yeah. But, um, in the cutscenes, I could argue that he was like fifteen or sixteen. So I guess like even like
0: that literal hand animated part in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. So I, I have something to say about that. The in the early days, I'm not sure if this is still canon or not. I think I mean whatever you know, Zelda canon is so nutso, So, but um, when Link's Awakening was being made, it was technically, technically v- by the creators, the people mm-hmm. making it. Oh yeah, yeah. There's the whole story about how it was a side project. We all know that story. But canonically, they were imagining that it was a, a sequel to the Super Nintendo game, to A Link to the Past.
1: Okay. And it was
0: him, Link had gone off after doing what he did in the Super Nintendo game. He went on a soul-seeking journey and on mm. the way back hits this storm. And then the game happens where I it was happens.
1: wondering, because I was going to say, it felt like he was in the middle of something. Like I, I yeah. felt like it was waiting for something.
0: And so I think, I don't actually have it in front of me, and there's probably a lot of listeners that actually know this factually, but I think... Link in a link to the past is not particularly old, maybe mm-hmm. around 10 or 12 or something like that. Maybe I can Google it here while we talk, mm-hmm. but, um, I think the Twilight princess link is the oldest link well,
1: that uh, makes as sense. a teenager yeah. late
0: teenager or something like that. Um, obviously not Karina loosely. He's well, seven and 14.
1: I was going to say technically, I think tears of the kingdom link is the oldest now because might be I mean, not talking about like the hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We know that, but because I think he's like,
0: (laughs) yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. I think he's like 17 at least in breath of the wild. And then tears takes place like three or four years in the future. So he's in his early twenties in tears.
0: Yeah. By the time he hits tears, you're absolutely right. Um, According to this, a link to the past, um, according to just a quick Google search and the quick Google open graph data that is given to me, I'm not on an actual website. It's Mm -hmm. obviously an aggregate of many websites, but um, according to this, in A Link to the Past, Link is 16 years old. Okay. And in Link's Awakening, he's 17.
1: So I wasn't that far off saying that he was an old teenager.
0: Yeah. Wow. There we go. Wow. Wow. So
1: that makes sense. So that's what I was saying is in the cutscenes he seemed older. But I think it's just because they put him in this miniature version that I'm like, he seems really kiddy and, and really of course, young. In
0: the Game Boy game, there's no like, yeah, whoo, ah, noises. Yeah. he Link doesn't make any noise. So there's no reference to his age. It's mm-hmm. just this weird little 16 pixels by 16 pixel blob that moves around and everything's just left to your imagination. Mm -hmm. By the way, Google also says here real quick that Ocarina of Time Link is nine in the young years and 16 um, in the flash forward years, but we'll see. Anyways, (laughs) just some references here. Um, Yeah, so I guess he is a bit older, but obviously the the art style is super kind of, you know, chibi or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, We've we've had some conversations. I want to keep moving forward with some characters here, but we've had some conversations about Link's character in breath of the wild and tears Mm -hmm. and we've joked about how there's a lot of like fan um projection there or whatever i mean i was about to ask like did did this link feel different to you does it feel like a different link absolutely yeah
1: yeah it absolutely feels like a different link so far um all the links i've played have felt different um other than obviously breath and tears because they're direct sequel but um I would say, I mean, this comes with the fact that it was you said what the fourth game in the series, fourth game ever created. Um, so he, I mean, he doesn't have much character. He doesn't talk or like have any like you can choose lines or anything to kind of get a grasp for his personality. He just like people talk to him and he just stands there and then yeah. they give him his items. Yeah. So um,
0: which w- which would remain through Majora's Mask, like mm-hmm. selecting options of what to say back, really didn't come around until almost Skyward Sword, I think. But
1: yeah. I- um so i didn't get that like i enjoyed the game but link as a character i didn't like latch on to him or anything just like he felt like just who i was controlling in the game whereas Mm -hmm. skyward Mm -hmm. i absolutely adore that link i think he's so funny and so lazy Mm -hmm. and cute i like breath of the wild again that comes in with the projection of things though yeah um whereas this link it was okay.
0: One fun fact, uh, at least speaking about when original Link's Awakening came out, it was the first, it was the fourth, but it was the first game to really truly have a story. Mm-hmm. Whereas the NPCs are actually communicating a narrative and communicating a yeah. story in, there would be a little, there was a, like disparate pieces of story in A Link to the Past, but mostly it was go do the things mm-hmm. in A Link to the Past, which is great. Um, and it's definitely Zelda 1 and 2,
1: there's like You're most, lucky if yeah.
0: in, in Zelda One, there's no talking. There's, there aren't there isn't a single NP. I mean, yeah, well, okay, like I mean, I guess it. there is. Yeah, <laughs> take this. It's dangerous to go alone. I've got that up in the studio yeah. right now. Or like buy something, will ya? I guess there is a little bit of talking. And then in Zelda Two, you can you can have, get like one sentence out of town folks, which mm-hmm. really there that's just a way to hand to do tips. Yeah. But when Link's Awakening came out with the original reviews, many reviewers actually celebrated the fact that there was an actual story to this one.
1: I loved the story. I think that's what surprised me the most when I started actually getting into Link's Awakening as I was like, Oh my God, there's actually like a deep story here. And I love the NPCs, especially Marin.
0: Or I was going to talk about Marin next
1: Marin. Thank you. Well,
0: I say Marin. I don't know.
1: Well, I'll say Marin. Right. I, I feel like that's probably better. I was calling her Marine for a while thinking oh. like maybe she's living on the water. I mean, Marine. maybe
0: there's a play off that but because there's also something to be said where these, the we're also experiencing, you know, is, I don't actually know if Marin is called Marin in the mm. Japanese release. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's names that get changed and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. Marin and Taryn are a play on Malin and Talon, which show up later in, or rather Malin and Talon in Ocarina of Time have a similar relationship on on Marin and Taryn. I think Marin coming from Marine is a great uh, uh, thing to recognize.
1: Yeah. I I loved her. I thought I was like very hesitant about the fact that there was no Zelda. Mm. Um, But I loved Marin. I think she was so cute. I loved her little songs. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that all the animals loved her. (laughs) <laughs> she was yeah. just very cute. And also um, she has those moments where like she it's very clear she's crushing on Link and she has these like, oh, I want to like tell you something, but I'm nervous type things.
0: That cut scene where they look out on the beach is represented in the original game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the opening, her finding him on the beach is also represented in the original Game Boy game. And um, I do feel that one thing that was really nice is the timing of the animation of the characters while they were looking out on the water. Yeah. Was even was changed a little bit for this 2019 release and it was a little bit it was it was very sweet Yes. The, the pauses she would look he would look it was it was yeah. adorable
1: it was very cute yeah. I really latched on to like because I link didn't have much of a character with Mar sorry Marin Marin I Marin. say Marin okay, but I'm gonna you, say Marin let um, yeah sure Link didn't have much of a personality, but Marin had so much that it compensated. I feel whenever they had scenes together, and so I really loved any time I got to be around her and got to like interact with her as a character because she was so great. She was so sweet.
0: I know you enjoyed *Age of Calamity*. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever play High Warriors, Marin and it was one of like the DLC characters. Really? And it is fun to see her kind of realized in like 3D graphics.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I actually um for a later episode we're recording today, went into Age of Calamity and looked around a little bit. Mm. And I was mm. like, I went in, and I was like, oh my god, this game is so different than all other Zelda games. It's so weird. <laughs> it's
0: it's I mean I don't wanna be uh, like push my nose up my glasses but it's not a zelda game
1: <laughs> yeah it's not um but that being said what i did enjoy I, i'm a huge story game person yeah. so i loved all the cutscenes and whatever but we're not talking about age of calamity
0: you right now. you in the past year have helped me appreciate age of calamity much more mm-hmm. and so I, I i'm grateful for that experience i think there's some fun lore stuff in there
1: there's age of calamity is interesting if you appreciate it less for the gameplay and more for the story yeah um but yeah. But, uh, okay. So,
0: Marin, Marin. Um Let's do. Let's do. Uh, let's see here. I mean, let's. Can we talk about Taryn? There's not much going on yeah, there. Yeah. There's not
1: much going on with Taryn, but he's still a chill dude. I think it's nice how he interacts with you. Lets you stay over at us place. Um, he's just a nice guy. I mean, I could see uh, this version of Link and Marin getting together, and Taryn being like the sweet old dad. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. A little bit of Mario vibes with Taryn.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think it was funny. I think he was the one that got, he, he was in the woods and you had to get him something. I can't remember. What. Well, I
0: think we'll talk about that when we start doing the dungeons, but yeah, remember he was, uh, I he, think was he transformed like into a something. raccoon or the raccoon turned into him or something. Yeah. But there was a spell put on him and he, turned, he, into he turned into a raccoon. a raccoon. We'll get into that when we start yeah. doing dungeons.
1: What was interesting about this game and you'll have to tell me if this is how it was in game boy, but I didn't think it was, um, is how much they plugged the other Nintendo games. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can speak really to that. really hard. Maybe
0: I can talk about that real quick. Um, I did. We do have a Link's Awakening making of episode uh-huh. deep in, I don't know, season two or season three where I got into a lot of this, but I don't mind uh, talking about it a little bit. The original Link's Awakening was a side project at Nintendo where um, after the Super Nintendo game was made, a few of the programmers, just as an experiment, wanted to see if they could kind of get a version of Link's Awakening running on a Game Boy. And so off hours, literally off the clock, like it was a, it was, it's even been described by some programmers as like a club <laughs> that they put together in the offices. They would, off the, because they would during the day work on these other Nintendo games mm-hmm. and then build, start t- start trying to build Link's Awakening, uh, uh, Link to the Past in on Game Boy. Anyways, um, when they realized they wouldn't be able to do a direct port, that's why a lot of the graphics, by the way, in Link's Awakening look very similar to the Super Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. But anyway um they it was just a side project it was just this silly game that wasn't going to be released and um that's why they just had fun throwing in all these other nintendo characters <laughs> and so then when the quick version of this story is because it was never going to be a thing they just had fun putting kirby in there and putting chain chomps in there yeah. was in there it didn't really matter but then when, T- when nintendo greenlit it as a real game um It was kind of like oh wait this this game's nuts this game's all over the place and so the best way and this it's okay we're not this is we the way we do it and on azp katie is we basically kind of like all episodes are spoilery we assume people have like played the game as Mm -hmm. we talk about them um unless it's like a really hot new kind of thing or something but um that was that was ultimately what led to the decision to have it be a dream was to so that they would kind of motivate the I fact was, that things are just nuts so sauce I
1: was wondering that was something too that first off completely threw me for a loop I was so fascinated by that ending and I like the end cuts like after I finished the game mm-hmm. I went into my roommate's room and I was like i just have to tell you about this game because <gasps> oh my god that's I amazing to, I was like I have to tell you about this ending because this is insane um, but I was a little upset that how, how like chill and happy Link was in the cutscene at the end. I was like, dude, you just lost Marin, you lost your whole place.
0: There is a version if you play the game in a certain way where Marin leaves with Link as a, as like a, what? yeah,
1: as a bird, yeah,
0: <laughs> she, her like spirit, because it does, she technically none of them exist, they exist yeah. like inside this dream. But there's a version where I can't remember exactly how you do it, but if you ple- maybe you do it in a certain amount of time, maybe one hundred percent something, or I can't even remember. Um, there's an extra little bit to that cutscene. And actually I haven't seen this in the twenty nineteen version, but in the Game Boy version, it would pan up and Maren's like face would be in the in the clouds and a bird would fly away. And That's so crazy. like so she kind of lives on if you if it's pop, you know. So maybe canonically she lives on, but yes.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'll have to look up and see if that's in the 19 version.
0: One of my favorite things from a narrative point of view with this game is that at some point, I mean, there's a whole thesis to be presented where I don't want to get like too hot takey, but like some of the bosses are pleading with Link, yeah. don't do this.
1: Well, yeah, that's why I was like, I, because I, they were like, oh, don't do this, don't do this. I was like, okay, well, like then if I do this and clearly something good will happen and like maybe it's not as bad as I say. And then I did it and I was like, I should have listened to the enemies.
0: It's like from whose point of view, yeah. like what is good and what is being a hero and what is defeating things, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe these, and there's, there's a, there's a case to be made that all of these bosses or baddies are, I mean, I don't want to say links, the bad guy, but kinda, from their point of view, yeah. they will stop existing if he well, gets yeah. to the wind fish.
1: And that's what makes sense is like, I, I mean, for, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if, like, the monsters really affected, like, the townsfolk much. Um,
0: yeah, you're right. There wasn't a lot of, like, oh, yeah, our, our town's on fire because of the boss in the dungeon. There really wasn't anything Yeah, like
1: that. It, it felt like they were kind of just leaving each other alone. And then Link came in and just started attacking people <laughs> to wake up the windfish and ruin everything. He
0: had to collect the eight things. Yeah. So that he could get out of there. It's a little weird. It's,
1: li- yeah, it's a little, Yeah, it's a very different version of Link. But that being said, I really did enjoy it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Me as me, me as well. Um, any other standout characters? This is the first time that an owl as a leading character, as a direction character, was introduced. Mm. This was the game that the owl that tells you what to do was, like, invented. <laughs> um, I like the owl. I, I actually like that in Link's Awakening. And almost all the dialogue is exactly the same in the 2019 version. Mm-hmm. I love that the dialogue or the, the, the owl's hints are really very vague. It's yeah. just enough push to, like... He'll just say, like, the swamp, it beckons. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go towards the swamp and find out what happens. Yeah. I love that.
1: No, it was difficult. Um, I did, uh, I'm going to plug Zelda Dungeon. I did use Zelda Dungeon a little bit there. Um, because they some have a of great them, walkthrough. Yeah, because some of them were very vague. Um, But that being said, it was really fun. I'm just someone, I don't have patience to go through and walk around for a while to figure things out.
0: Back in those days, that's exactly what you did. Yeah. You know, you just kind of keep poking around. There are a few choke points in this game, which maybe we'll get to in the second half. There's a, I mean, Dan McCoy uh, in the beginning of the season famously got stuck trying to get to the second dungeon because there's that, he just didn't quite, there was like one little tile to go to the right of McGonagall Swamp or McGonagall Swamp or whatever it is um, to go save Bow Wow. And he couldn't find that route and he was walking around, walking around, walking around and we finally found the route. Um, So there are some, and there's like that wacky chess puzzle in a later um dungeon yes, that's a lot of people so a lot of people stop playing the game there because yeah. if you really don't know what to do it's it's not obvious and that's yeah. a little bit of what games were like in the mid 80s late night early 90s and all of that
1: yeah what was hard about that one for me is i love chess i've played chess i understood what they were going for with the l movement mm-hmm. it was just the fact that if you didn't perfectly like get right where they want you on the tile right at the edge and throw it then it wouldn't go in mm-hmm. that was rough
0: yeah um, let's see any other standout NPCs and then we can move forward. Oh, well maybe we should talk a little bit about, we'll probably talk about Canelette castle when we get to it. But, um, what was the Prince? What's the little Prince that's in Canelette castle? Oh, I'm going to look at my notes here real I quick.
1: Can, I uh, couldn't uh, even uh, tell you, but I know uh, who you're talking uh, about Richard, maybe it's probably something like that. He was
0: cute. <laughs> he, he's a cameo from another game. He's really? a cameo from a, a Japanese game. And that's why there's frogs around him. Cause in that game, he like turned into frogs. I was wondering,
1: like I was like, why, what is it? The frogs? I thought maybe it was like a, I mean, not talking about Disney Princess and the Frog, like the classic Princess and the Frog story, maybe. I think it's a play like that. on that a
0: little bit. It's a play on that.
1: Yeah, I he was kind of cool. Um, I was not expecting to see a different royal
0: mm. in this world. Mm-hmm, um,
1: mm-hmm. But you saying that he was from a different game makes a lot of sense then yeah. with like all the other Nintendo games getting plugged in.
0: It's kind of fun that you meet him. He's kicked out of his castle first. Yeah. It was it, and also Link's Awakening was my first Zelda game ever. So I've said this many times on the show, but. When I was playing the Game Boy version, I didn't really... I knew that Zelda and Hyrule was a thing, mm-hmm. but Link's Awakening was my first Zelda game. Yeah. And so I didn't even know any better when there wasn't a Hyrule Castle. Yeah. And when there wasn't a Zelda, I was just kind of like, oh, cool, this is the castle that happens in Zelda games. I didn't even realize.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, that, that threw me for a loop. Um, I mean, it didn't look like Hyrule Castle, so I guess I didn't really think it was. Right. Because also going into this game... There were no places I recognized.
0: Sure, right. Like I, I was like,
1: okay, I don't recognize any place. This is animal village.
0: I mean, yeah, I was like, like, this is
1: all probably going to be different. Which talking about animal village, I got very annoyed with the the song that plays there. Oh yeah, Um, Yeah. And uh, to the point, I actually again same roommate that I came and like told about the end of the game. I was like, hey, you want to listen to what I've been listening to for the past five, 15 minutes? And I just played it on a loop until she was like, stop, please turn it off.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some of the some of the standout characters there is, uh, well, actually, let me just go, let me just do like kind of a hot list here. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Wright was another cameo. He has a SimCity cameo. There's um, the guy with to... the long hair that's yeah. writing letters to, to Princess Peach. Yeah. Who's called something else. I can't even remember what she's called. Um, Christine, perhaps. Uh, let's see, we've got the trendy game master playing the game. Yeah. Did you did you steal anything from the game master or did you, you stay can steal? Yes. How
1: do you steal?
0: So that that little this was also true in the Game Boy game. The game the, the trendy game master, the the, the, t- the person who works there. Oh. No, it's not the game master. It's the shop. It's the first shop that's in the village. Okay. Um when you go to like buy things, he tends to like look around and sometimes he looks behind. And if he's, looking the, if he's not looking at you, you can grab an item and just walk out of the shop. Dude,
1: this link is the worst. <laughs>
0: and here's the thing. I know. Well, that's interesting. Um, uh, another fun fact, though, is if you count go at any point after doing that, at any point going back into that shop, he gets infuriated. He said, you stole from me. He zaps you huh? and he retitles your name as Thief for the rest <laughs> of the game. Your save file, everything is retitled as thief. <laughs> That's amazing. And every character refers to you as thief for the rest of the game if you steal. That's
1: amazing. A lot of
0: fun little things in this game,
1: dude. I'm learning so much. <laughs>
0: um, so there's that. Okay, let's see what do we got. We got Kiki. She's kind of fun. There's a lot of a lot of crazy characters. Um, it's it's common knowledge at this point that some of the main designers that were um, that went on to um, write some of the stuff for Ocarina, some of the NPC stuff for Ocarina of Time, but. Um, they were really inspired by Twin Peaks. This is like famous common knowledge at this point. And Twin Peaks was a show in the in the late yeah. 80s that had a bunch of weird characters. It was kind of like the Lost of its time. Mm-hmm. You remember Lost from like 10 years ago? Yeah. It was like, ooh, the what's going to happen next mystery show. Um, and so they were inspired. They were like, let's just make a really weird game with a bunch of weird characters. And it's all kind of a mystery. And actually with a nice little twist at the end. huh? Yeah. The whole concept of like, not only is it a dream, but it's someone else's dream that you've somehow gotten into. Yeah. And by waking them, the dream stops. It's it's uh, some pretty wacky stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Any other... I know, I kind of just f- f- uh, threw it all at That's you there. That's a lot. Any um, other standout characters, and then I think we'll go to break.
1: Um, I want to say personality-wise, but mm-hmm. it was really cool getting to see the Zora, what they used to look like with the... I don't know if you know the hidden Zora that you yes. can find if you get like the the magnify glass or glasses or whatever. Yes,
0: and that is the River Zora, mm-hmm. which also appear in A Link to the Past... And they are, yeah, the Zoras start out, you could say, quote unquote, as bad guys.
1: Yeah, and that also ties into my thing of like, I don't think the, the quote unquote enemies mm-hmm. really did anything to the villagers. Like they were just chilling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there'd be gob- there'd be goblins and stuff out in the woods, but <laughs> they were there just to be there.
1: Yeah, they weren't attacking anyone.
0: <laughs> uh, but now I, I think about um, the Super Nintendo game had a little bit of motivation. The bad guys were attacking for certain reasons. They were trying to protect Yana or whatever. The first two games... It's a little bit more implied. All the bad guys are trying to stop Link so Ganon can come back. And then the first game, I mean, we're still in the world of video games. This is twenty, thirty years ago where the bad guys are the bad guys just because. And yeah. there isn't as much story around it, you know. So looking at it through a modern lens, and certainly by having a re release of a game, mm-hmm. it does have people look at a game in a different lens some of that stuff becomes a little more obvious i guess
1: yeah and it is certainly a very different where in breath and tears you literally are seeing the kobolds attacking people in the wild and you have to like come in and save them yeah
0: yeah absolutely a lot more fidelity there
1: mm-hmm.
0: well i say i tell you what why don't we go to break and then we'll kind of do like a push through all the different dungeons and things like yeah. that and maybe some of the events that happen between as well absolutely awesome i'll see you in a little bit bye-bye It's the first day of school and I'm walking around downtown Chicago with hundreds of other students. Everyone's getting back from summer break and you can tell that they're happy to see each other after a couple months. For me, however, it's been a little longer. Hi, I'm David and I want to introduce you to Returning Student, a documentary podcast that I've been making about my return to a college that I left 20 years ago. I'm back in the same city, at the same school, the same student ID number. Everything else feels completely different. My fellow classmates are literally half my age. My professors work in my industry. Sometimes I wonder why I've come back at all. But then I get the opportunity to sit down with one of my professors and have a conversation with them, which uh, usually yields a little bit of wisdom. You can find the show on all major podcast providers, as well as our website, returningstudentpodcast.com. A lot has changed over the past two decades. And we are back. Right into it, (laughs) Katie. Um, Let's see here. Let's, uh, we we don't have to, sometimes what we do here with these kind of review episodes, we'll we'll kind of go through, we'll use the dungeons as like uh, little checkpoints to kind of talk about for the mm-hmm. game and we don't have to hit every little beat or anything and if we kind of meander around that's perfectly fine but for starters I would like to point out that Link's awakening has I mean maybe it's only 15 20 minutes if you're if you do every step exactly in the right order but it actually has you you're doing some running around before you hit the first dungeon in this game Yeah So what was the very you know you you're waking up as Link in the house what was this experience like for you
1: It was interesting I woke up in the house obviously uh, first thing I did was explore Maid Village. I went into every house, talked to every NPC. I really liked all the little kid NPCs <laughs> that would tell you how to do something. And they'd be like, why did I say that? Or why do I know that? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm just a kid. <laughs> 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 I think that's really fun and really cute. Because, um, I i mean, they got to tell you the controls somehow. Um, and from there, I guess, I think I tried to go down to the beach first and then quickly realized... I couldn't do certain things down at the beach yet. Oh, interesting. Um, Because I didn't have certain
0: Well, typically it starts with the shield. Taryn gives you the shield, and you can use Mm -hmm. the shield to push the little spiky guys to get to the sword that's down at the beach.
1: Oh, actually, you know what? I did do that then, because I got the sword. Because then I went up and I went into the forest and started fighting the the bokoblins. That's
0: usually what happens, yeah. Yeah. And then then there's a funky little game loop here where you actually have to then, um, you can't... You you have to get the magic powder, and getting the magic mm-hmm. powder, you meet a raccoon that 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 tosses you all over the place, um, and eventually you have to actually go way off course and go down to was it Wicked Trixie or something? Her name something is something like the witch, that. The
1: little yeah, which
0: gives you the magic powder. Which oh, you have to find the toad. You f- talk to her and she says, actually, I need a toadstool. So then you yeah. go back into the woods and find the toadstool, and then you get the magic powder. You spray that yeah, that spray that on the raccoon. You know uh, yeah, powder it on the raccoon. I think that ends up becoming Terran. And then that allows you to start moving forward with eventually getting the tail cave key, which is Mm -hmm. I think the tail cave key is in the the mysterious woods. Mm -hmm. Maybe you find it down in one of the little caves. But anyway, there's quite a I remember playing the 2019 version and kind of forgetting how much you actually do before the first dungeon.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I actually wasn't expecting there to be as many dungeons as there were because of that first one. Because after you get that first dungeon, you're kind of cruising to the next ones, I feel. I think feel. so,
0: yeah. Um, it's usually like kind of something in the middle and yeah. then, then the next dungeon.
1: Uh, but you'll have to forgive me. I... I feel like a lot of this game I blacked out for and I was just going and going. And so some of it is a lot like way, way foggier for me. It's okay. I, yeah, I I was just, I was running around trying to figure out how to do stuff. I had uh, IGN in one hand and Zelda dungeon in the other. Figuring out what I was doing and where I was going and what was happening,
0: because I was so
1: lost for the first part of it. I had no clue what was going on.
0: The idea is that you just are lost for a while and walk Mm -hmm. around and slowly start to figure things out, and you maybe you know, oh, I found my way. Mysteriously, found my way down to this witch's. Uh, house and then she says something about a toadstool you go, okay well what does that mean I guess I'll keep walking around and yeah. oh here's a weird little mushroom oh that's like a, toad- that's a toadstool and then oh I'll bring it back and mm-hmm. it's a, there's a, a, a series of discovery that happens in the beginning of this game
1: yeah I think my issue was when I was first starting to play this game was I'm so used to you have to stay in one area until you're a certain level or you get a certain thing to move on to the next oh, area where in this game it was like no like yeah these guys are higher level but you can just like run around them and like get what you need and then go yeah. back so, uh, for a while I was just running around the lost woods. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't move on because I clearly I'm missing whatever's in the lost woods.
0: Right. But it's actually about moving through the lost woods and then going out, you know, exactly. and finding the witch house, finding the, the swamp and all those things.
1: Yeah. And um, once I kind of realized that I was able to start like cruising forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then we eventually get to the key, the key and it opens up the tail cave, which is back down by the beach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you were able to experience your first 2D dungeon.
1: Yeah, I found out that I really like them. Um, yeah. The first one wasn't my favorite. Um, we'll talk about it probably later, but Turtle Rock was my favorite by
0: far. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. That one's, a, that one's a fun one. It's
1: really cool. Uh, but I will say, back in, again, I don't know if they have this in the Game Boy version, but they have Dompey's Shack. Where you can build dungeons. That is
0: new to this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. And specifically, I wasn't like a huge fan of doing it, but I did them all so I could get all the hearts in the game. Oh, jeez. Do that. Wow. Yeah, I got all the hearts in the game.
0: I didn't do the dampe stuff at all in my playthrough. Yeah. Just because it wasn't in the DX version or the original, and mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, cool. You can put some tiles together, but there are some other dungeon maker games out there that I had a little more satisfaction. Yeah. Like Third party, like meta outside of this mm-hmm. game, that I was like, I'm good dampe.
1: Yeah, but. uh... It, I, because I wasn't really feeling it I just wanted it for the hearts I was trying to cruise through so I always put the um Molodorm, the, the final boss for the tail end yeah. for the tail key cave one dungeon thing yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah I always put that as like the final boss in all of them so I could just,
0: oh really yeah so
1: I could just like hit it three times and like go and yeah cruise through
0: that's probably your first so you know this is what's interesting about this is one of the things that I love about the 2D Zelda games is that They are very puzzly. They're very, you know, you're literally looking at tiles. And sometimes it feels like you're literally looking at a board game. And it's what Mm -hmm. do you touch? What do you push? What do you move? And um, I I take great pleasure in that. I actually really enjoy it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am certainly not much of a puzzle mind. (laughs) Um, Some of it's fine and I think it's fun. But if I try something and I'm there for like five, ten minutes, then I'm done with it and i'm just gonna look up the answer
0: just look it up Um, we definitely play differently that way because i never use mm walkthroughs
1: yeah
0: i'll be stuck in a game for eight months until i like there's there's been very few times in my life where where i'm really truly stuck and i go okay i'll I'll search out just this one little thing Mm -hmm. and sometimes i even do a rule where i'll go search it and then close the window i won't do it while i'm playing the game so it's just like what can i remember as a little hint
1: Yeah, I I just have a really bad issue with patience. I'm not a patient person. (laughs) And I get overwhelmed. And I know myself. And it's a lot of the reasons why I stop games halfway through is I just, I cannot, I don't, I get frustrated. And then I never come back to it, even though it's like, it's just this one part that frustrated me. I've enjoyed the whole rest of the game. Had that same, sorry, I always talk about different games. Had that same experience with Red Dead 2. Love that game to death. Yeah. but I'm a huge completionist. And there's one part of the game where for like a little trapper guy, you got to find all these rare birds and get like shoot them and get like so many like feathers and bring them back. Yeah. And I sat there for like two days, just like re redoing the game over and over and over and over and over this one part to try uh-huh. and get enough. Didn't get enough. I was done. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had 81. I thought this out yesterday because my roommate was like, Oh, I miss seeing you play Red Dead. We should play Red Dead again. Had 81 hours in the game. Didn't remember how to play the game at all because I hadn't played it in a year. Had to restart.
0: I had to restart. <laughs> oh, and I'm painful. realizing something as you talk about this. It's true that it's, I, I, wh- I always enjoy talking about playing video games with people because everyone has their own play style and everyone mm-hmm. has the right to their play style. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's whatever gives you the most enjoyment. Um, and I'm realizing that, yes, I don't use walkthroughs, not because I'm trying to play hard mode or anything. Yeah. I just want the experience to be mine. But also, I'm definitely not a completionist. Yeah. So, like, if I kind of, like, would maybe this this character in Red Dead trying to, to shoot birds or trap birds or something. Yeah,
1: or, he's trying to get enough feathers to trade in for something. Sure,
0: I'd probably, like, try one or two of the feathers, and I'd be like, I'm good, I'll move on, and then I just kind of move on. And that's also yeah. how I play Zelda games. If I go into, like, some little game shop or something, half the time I don't even play it. I'm kind of like, I'm good, and I just move on. Mm. And so um, if I was trying to be a completionist, I probably would have to rely on walkthroughs a little bit more.
1: Yeah. I've been doing a lot with Skyward. Uh, Zelda dungeon has like every heart piece where to find every goddess key where to find like all that kind of stuff, because for the most part I can do the story fine by myself. There might be one or two things here and there, but it's all those little things that I'm like, I know I'm missing five things in this area.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Were you like a straight A student in school? Yeah. okay. Uh Okay. I get it. That makes a lot of sense. So it's about like getting the, yeah. giving the points and the scores and all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. My brother Fine.
1: was very much the opposite in the sense of how he plays games and how he was in school, but it was because of how smart he was. He was smart enough to calculate how many assignments he had to do to get a B. Sure. Um, and so that same thing you see it in games. He always plays them on the hardest difficulty, sees how fast he can speed run it, doesn't sit and do all the extra stuff in the game, doesn't care, gets through it as fast as he can, as hard as he can, and moves on to the next thing.
0: I see. Whereas my experience very much is just like, well, what do I feel like doing now? And I'll yeah. go do that. And that feels right. That feels good. It's like walking through the woods, just meandering through the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, still, by the way, we're going to record another episode a little bit later and I'll, I'll be talking about it then, but like still have not gotten t- anywhere near death mountain in tears of the kingdom. That's so fascinating. I'm, I'm 80 hours in on this game now. And I'm just like, well, I mean, I just feel like going over here and I'll go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if I play tears and I'm, and I'm just kind of poking around for an hour or two, I'm very happy with that. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's interesting. So uh, so I love these 2D Zelda games where you are just poking around and you're trying to mm-hmm. look for little details and oh that moving that changes that and that's interesting um I, I enjoy that stuff quite a bit. There are quite a few items that appear in this first dungeon. They're a little heavy mm-hmm. on the items. You, you go in with the magic powder. You definitely get the feather. I feel like you might even get one other thing in the dungeon. I can't quite remember.
1: Ooh, I can't even tell you.
0: But the jump ability right there. Boom. First dungeon.
1: I loved it. I love the jump. I love jumping. Jumping is amazing.
0: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a really big board game fan. And yeah. I love like tactical board games. Some of my favorite video games are like kind of in that vein of uh the the... Mario vs. Rabbids, where it's like a strategic uh, mm-hmm. turn based, um, you know. Which, talking game. about
1: that. I tried Mario vs. Rabbids, instantly hated it. Loved it. <laughs> I know. It just tells yeah. our different like <laughs> mindsets and play styles. Sure. I, there's nothing against that game. I'm sure that game was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I'm not a tactical games person. I'm, to this
0: day, I, I play XCOM 2 on my Switch still. I love it. I just, anything mm-hmm. that has to do with like turns and grids and calculating and then like making choices and moving. Because I have played a lot of board games as a kid, I think mm-hmm. is that where that comes from? And so these 2D Zeldas. Do remind me of that. I love that the jump is exactly one square. And then you can look at the map. You know, you go into a room in Link's Awakening and you can kind of already see your paths, what mm-hmm. you could or couldn't do. Um, and then later to get the bigger jump is a lot of fun when you learn you can run and jump and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which, wait, is the feather also in this dungeon? No, that's later. That's got to be later. You were
1: talking about the Pegasus boots? Pegasus
0: boots, yeah. That's sorry. not
1: until, um, I think it's the Maw one.
0: Yeah, half yeah, yeah. Maw. Well, anyway, let's. I, mean, I am. I am. What I did here for our notes for the second half of the episode mm-hmm. before we got together earlier today, I actually went to Zelda Dungeon, our new besties, yeah. Zelda Dungeon. Oh, by the way, wait, I got a message from Masis, um just a few days ago. He's in, of course he's invited us back to Zelda yeah, Dungeon I'm next so year. I'm so excited.
1: I told actually talking about Link's Awakening. I think I told my roommate, I'm like, if I ever speed ran anything on the Zelda Dungeon stream, it'd probably be Link's Awakening. Maybe
0: we should let them know. Because <laughs> I'm not a speed runner I, I'm, I I don't even play that way. And actually I replied to him. But anyway, there was something here. I pulled it up on Discord. He uh just a few days ago was like, Hey Dave, hope all is well. Wanted to put these dates on your radar. We're running our annual marathon. It looks like it's gonna be the seven 7- seven thirteen through the seven 7- through seven twenty this year. Um Hope you can make it out for a few days. So I also said, like, you know, I, I know that you're already invited. Mm-hmm. So I, I replied back. Maybe it might be a stretch for us to go for the whole week this year, Katie. But maybe maybe so. I don't know. We'll see.
1: I would, yeah. I had such a blast. And I'd I, ask
0: off work to go for the week.
1: Yeah. And by then, I should have played... A decent amount of Zelda games. so.
0: Well, I, re- I did say back to Masis, I was like, you know, I'm not really, I don't think I'm the kind of Zelda player that works well for these marathons, but I offered to like, maybe if, if there's, if they need like any kind of, remember like the spelling bee and stuff and yeah, how Nico like hosted a spelling that. bee. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe if I can help host stuff, I'll, I'd be loved. To, I'd love to do it, but I, I'm not really like, re- I don't think I'm compatible with the play style for those marathons, but you just might be.
1: Yeah. I would love to try my hand at speedrunning. I'm not great, but I would try and yeah. practice. That'd be fun. Um, and yeah i would love i wasn't comfortable this last time in the sense of being able to go down and just sit on the couch and ask to play mm. um they've been imbi- they invited me a couple times but so i was just like oh, i don't know well you know we were both um, kind
0: of new i'd been there yeah. for like two hours the year before and this was our first time really just kind of you want to be good guests and all that exactly I and i
1: at the time i would played only breath through tears mm. with age of calamity as well so they were like oh do you want to play like ocarina or like ocarina of time or do you want to play age of oracles And i was like i don't know what that is <laughs> i was like i'm gonna look a fool
0: well i am using this i went to their, their walkthrough zelda dungeons walkthrough uh-huh. for link's awakening and i copy and pasted a bunch of the um beats that they have in their walkthrough and i'm using that as our notes right oh, now nice. to go through so let's uh let's jump ahead to moldorm the boss when I mean, we touched on it a little yeah. bit is the boss of the first dungeon
1: it looks like a little uh cheeseburger <laughs>
0: I, th- I thought centipede, but I like little cheeseburger.
1: Well, his head, yeah. Yeah, sure. He's got like the little lettuce around him.
0: It does look like lettuce in this game. You're right. It's more like little legs in the Game Boy version. You're absolutely right. <laughs> um, that That's kind of a retread of a boss that happens in one of the early dungeons in the Super Nintendo game. Really? Which this, all, this might still be an echo of when they were trying to build Link's Awakening on Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Maybe they like built this boss battle. And similar mechanic too, where you get knocked over and you, fall, you don't really die, but you fall down and then you have mm-hmm. to get back up. You have to go back up a level.
1: Yeah. You know? Do you mean a uh, Link to the Past on Game Boy? What War did I or? just say? Link's Awakening.
0: Yeah, Link to the Past. Okay. I always accidentally re-
1: re- nah, like the like same swap title. those two.
0: <laughs> anyway, so that's a cool little dungeon. The next one's Bottle Grotto, but to get there, we interface with... A friendly chain chomp that's yeah, not bow friendly bow. to other people. Oh my
1: gosh, I love Bow Wow. I thought it was so weird, the inclusion of a chain chomp, but then when I actually got to walk Bow Wow around, I was like, this is great. I hope Bow Wow never leaves. And then he left after the dungeon. I was I like, know. oh. <laughs>
0: sometimes, sometimes before the dungeon, I just walk around with Bow Wow and just go to other areas.
1: He just eats everyone for you. You just have a leisurely walk. Mm-hmm. It's great.
0: And even in the Game Boy version, there was a bark sound effect for Bow Wow. It would go like...
1: I was wondering. I love his little bark sound effect. It's so cute. I mean, it's what they use in the Mario games, too. But I just... I love it.
0: Yeah. you're. Oh, you're right. It is. It's the same noise. Yeah. Gosh, I never thought about that.
1: At least it's the same in uh, Mario Kart.
0: <laughs> in Mario Kart, it is that noise. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No, I think even all the way back to Mario 3, it's, it's a similar noise. Um, yeah, I remember when I first played Link's Awakening, and certainly the remix as well, even though I knew this time, not the remake, I mean... Um, yeah, you go with one screen to the left in the Game Boy version, and you're like, "What the heck?" There's this huge chain shop, yeah. and you're like, "Wait, what? This is not Zelda." What?
1: <laughs> yeah, but it works. Yeah, that was something that surprised me about this game is how well they blended the other like nintendo game mechanics and nintendo characters into zelda where it was like what is happening but then for a, a bit you just like forget it exists and then you go into um i think it was turtle rock and there's kirby and i was like why is kirby here yep <laughs> what is kirby doing here
0: yep.
1: um which was kind of surreal because me and my roommate were playing kirby at the time together and so kirby
0: is kind of an enemy in this game It is an en- yeah. yeah
1: he's an enemy he like tries to like just like suck you up and everything yeah it was kind of crazy.
0: So we take Bow Wow, and Bow Wow unlocks, eats the big flowers, which essentially unlocks mm-hmm. our ability to get to uh, the swamp, swamp level. Uh, some of these, the one downside, one thing I appreciate is when you play the Game Boy version of this game, boy, these dungeons blend together because everything's just four colors and mm-hmm. gray. At least in this version, they were able to like change the lighting, so every dungeon has like slightly different textures, mm-hmm. slightly different colors. But even still, when you are dealing with just grid-based level design they do kind of blend sometimes i think that's
1: why i'm i'm struggling to like fully remember everything just because i was like i got hit with like seven dungeons maybe also with like the color dungeon and the sleep dungeon and everything i did all of them so i'm just like i remember certain bosses and things but like the layouts of them are a little fuzzy
0: yeah, I, I I get it. I, there's there was one that I think it was maybe the turtle one that really stuck out for me, and I really got. I had a lot of. I love I, one of yeah. my favorite things in the Zelda games, in the two D Zelda games, is when you have this the, the switch flipper thing. Mm-hmm. So like the reds and the blue blocks yes. that go up and down. Love those things. Yeah. Um, because I love the logic of it mm-hmm. and how you can even get clever sometimes. And su- I know in the Super Nintendo one, you like maybe like lay down a bomb next to one and then run around to the other side and then the bomb will still trigger and then the blocks move, but you've gone to the other side. So exactly. it's like a delayed yes. trigger and stuff like that. Turtle
1: rock really stood out to me with that. And then being able to bomb the walls and find secret passageways through mm-hmm. and it felt the most maze like, yeah. and yeah had the coolest enemies, I feel. I just yeah, I could rant about Turtle Rock.
0: Well, you definitely get the power bracelet in the second dungeon mm-hmm. because you use it to defeat the main boss, which is the genie. Yeah. The bosses are so weird in this game. Yeah. They're just out of nowhere. Um and, and honestly, the the boss's name is just Genie. Genie,
1: yeah. There's no there's no character, it's just the mm-hmm. genie. That's all you need to know. Just pick up the vase and throw it around.
0: Pick it up, throw it around. That's perfectly fine. So then I guess we would move on to the key cavern. Um this is where Canolet Castle comes into play mm. first. That's like the middle thing. That's like, That was kind of the, you know, you, you'll experience this a little bit in Ocarina of Time as well. This is around the time where the the, the general game loop for a Zelda game would be do a dungeon, then go do like a, a kind of a sidey thing. Mm-hmm. And then that will lead, that'll give you the key to the next dungeon or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, I very much enjoyed Canolet Castle. I loved um, you. Actually, this is one of those things where if you're not doing the trading sequence, you don't have the bananas in time to get Gives to the monkeys monkey. yeah so there's a huge trading thread that goes through this game where you I keep love trading it. items up yeah i love I it too i think it's
1: like one of the best parts of the game is the trading thread it's so fun
0: i think it is too and there are, there is it's it's it feels optional but there are a few times where you actually need the one item to mm-hmm. move forward and this is one of them is to i think give bananas to the monkeys so they build you a bridge so that you can sneak into candleette castle yeah
1: I, it's it's really interesting and it's really cool to read. And it was really fun when I would go through and I would like get ahead of the quest line a little bit. So then when I would meet someone, they're like, I need this. And I'm like, I have it. Yep. I already got it. Yep. You're all good, man.
0: Totally. Yep. I love it. Or, or there's, it's also fun when they're just like, they give you a hint and they're like, oh, sometimes it's obvious. Like I just need a bow or something. We're like maybe mm-hmm. if I could look beautiful and you're like, Oh, maybe that's a bow. And I think, I think that other person talked about having one or wanting one. It's yeah. always fun to kind of put those little things together.
1: I, I loved the canned food connoisseur <laughs> oh, man after my own heart.
0: <laughs> That's right. Um, any thoughts on Canalette castle? You're I mean, it's not a stealth mission, but it's about as stealthy as it gets in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't play it as a stealth mission very much. I saw an enemy. I fought an enemy. You yeah. know, I mean, you're clearing
0: I, out the castle. Yeah, right?
1: I, I plowed through, but I did have fun um, with like the different routes you could go in and kind of run around the castle a little bit and go up to the top area and all that. So that Mm -hmm. was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then that leads us to the key cavern, which, uh, let's see. Oh, the boss for the key cavern is slime eyes. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Which the 2019 version represents the game boy version very closely. Really? Yeah. Do we, I think you get the arrows in this dungeon because you use them to split the eye. You have to shoot, Arrows. Yes. in. Yeah, you know, every Zelda game, you're always shooting arrows into eyeballs. Yeah, like that's always the thing you're doing. It Certainly starts with this game here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're shooting eyeball, shooting arrows into the eyeballs, and slowly you get the slime to split.
1: Yeah, and you're kind of yeah. Which, uh, sorry, I don't. Is that where the original? Oh, what are they called? The Chichus. Is that where the Chichus come from? Where if you f- fight them, they well, split.
0: You know, I would say you don't have. T- Choo-choo's don't show up until I think Choo-choo's show up in Majora's Mask. I don't think they're in Ocarina. Maybe they are in Ocarina, but they look a little different in Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. You can actually see the items that they hold oh, in Majora's cool. Mask inside them in their little jelly things. Maybe it's Ocarina. So um, to say that the Choo-choo's come from Slime I Maybe not canonically, but definitely from a game development Well, point yeah, of like view. from a
1: game developing. Yeah. Like I, that's just where my, my brain went when I saw them. And like the fact that they continue to split each time you hit them.
0: The only other time I can think about that might predate this is there were some gargoyles in the first Zelda game. Where you would hit them and they would split into bats and they would split again. It's the asteroids mechanic, you know, oh, literally the video game yeah. asteroids. Shoot the big asteroid to make two middles, then you shoot the two middles to make two smalls, and then you yeah. can shoot the smalls and get rid of them. That's a that's a game mechanic that appears in Zelda games often, in fact, mm-hmm. and that is what happens for this boss. Um, but as far as like the slime and the choo choos, yeah, I mean it's a continuing uh, theme there, I think for sure. After we defeat Slime Eye, then we move on. to The next, then we have kind of a larger middle section again. Mm-hmm. We go to Animal Village. We jump up into Tall Tall Heights for a while. This, is this where the River Ride happens. It could be, but you actually go down into Animal Village and then you're sent around. Like this dungeon's I was not say, in Animal. You
1: don't Village. do the River Ride until we get the Hook Shot.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I
1: know that for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is one of those situations. If I remember correctly, Angler's Tunnel. I think it's up in the mountains.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah so um i i want to say i could be wrong but i think it's actually no sorry i'm like parsing back through my brain it's not until you get the whatever it is the, the scale i think
0: oh swim, yes 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 yes, yes. And get, like, angler
1: i could be wrong uh about what one you're talking about that's what I was no, thinking you're, of, no this though.
0: is you're right this is that one because you do get the scale as part of the trading sequence you get the scale from the mermaid or do you get it from the Zora in this one
1: ooh you get it from the Zora because the mermaid I think you get like the glasses to see the Zora I could be wrong about that though <laughs>
0: It's all blurring.
1: I, it's all blurring. Uh, the point is, though, you have to get a scale to go under, it, and then you can learn the little song and to teleport.
0: Yes, and I if this this is the dungeon, then where you do a little bit more of the um, side scrolling, swimming, and stuff like that. Mm. If I remember correctly, now,
1: which I actually liked uh, most t- most of the time. I' am not a big fan of water levels and mm. anything, whether it's Mario or Zelda or whatever. Yeah, but I think this one did really well for itself.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any point where you're changing the water level. But there is a... I don't think so, right? I
1: don't think so. Um,
0: I'm Because I'm also thinking of Oracle of Ages, where there's a there's a wa- quote-unquote water dungeon where you're changing the water level, but it's like lava, and they actually... Even though it's 2D, like, mm. the like the tiles get bigger and smaller. Um, but I remember this one. And also, I think this is our first time where the boss battle is also in the side-scrolling mode.
1: Yeah. And it's really cool, because that is one where you can go up and down and like hit it from different angles and mm-hmm. stuff. And... The angler a, fish. Yeah, the angler fish. And there's floopers... <laughs> coming after you yeah, that's right. Um, which is kind of cool that was that was a thing that happened
0: <laughs> uh, the music in the 2019 version they did a little bit more with the, how the music changes if you're down in the side scrolling areas or if you're underwater there's mm-hmm. different instruments that fade in and out i love the music for this game it's which cool i guess we didn't even really talk about that too much
1: hey we'll save it for a, a
0: music episode a Music
1: of Link's Awakening. This is
0: what we got to do in our uh-huh. Link's Awakening, music of Link's Awakening episode. We'll um, do a little compare and contrast. So we'll mostly talk about the music in the 2019 version. Uh-huh. I have no idea when we're going to record this episode, but we'll throw it in the episode yeah. list. Um, and then we'll have to listen to a few seconds of the Game Boy version. Absolutely. Too, to see how the me- most, in my opinion, the melodies are identical yeah. in, the, in the remake. Um, but of course the instrumentation is much more, uh, which I think realized. is always
1: great. Um, which I, the game undertale was all eight bit music and then they ended up doing a concert version for like the five-year anniversary or whatever with like actual orchestration incredible it's the same song but it's just it feels so much more alive and so much bigger and it'd be cool to compare the two games
0: well that's a season seven episode right there absolutely Ooh, i love that (laughs) love it i love love
1: music episodes
0: yeah we yeah i think a lot of people do enjoy them um and, and the way we've been doing them lately, I feel like we have, like, two or three more Breath of the Wild ones. Even our Wind Waker music episode was mostly, like, themes, and we could still do, like, boss battles. Uh-huh. Oh, man, we've, we've got music episodes for days here, I think, and I can't wait. Um, as we move on, some people find themselves doing the Color Dungeon around now. Now, the Color Dungeon wasn't part of the original game. Oh. It was added in when Link's Awakening DX was released for the uh-huh. Game Boy Color, I don't know, 10 years after the original Link's Awakening came out. Mm-hmm. And so you, maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. Maybe it's not as obvious because the whole game is in glorious color yeah. for the 2019 version. But um, that dungeon relies, it's called the Color Dungeon, mm-hmm. it relies on like the different tiles are flipping and changing colors and stuff like that, which was yeah. something that was impossible to do when the game first came out because it was in black and white.
1: That's fascinating. Yeah, when I watched the Game Grumps play, I think I watched them play the DX version. I remembered the the red and blue um so yeah, I never realized that. I did know like with the color dungeon when I went in, I was like, okay, they're harking hard on like the green, red, blue. Mm-hmm. Green, red, blue. Okay, cool. Colors. I get it. Yep. I didn't realize how deep it went though.
0: It was and it's not that it's not that the original team wanted a color dungeon. It's mm-hmm. that when the DX version was made, you know how it goes. I get it. It's okay. The, the The powers that be, you know, throw an extra bullet point on the box now with extra dungeons or something Mm -hmm. like I get it. That's probably where it came from. And as they were making it, maybe there was something in development. I'm surmising this and I've never I haven't read anything about this. It's also possible that when the DX version of Link's Awakening was getting made, they were like, you know what? We can do color palette swaps. Maybe we can make a dungeon based on this. Mm -hmm. And so it was added in, which is also why I don't think you actually reveal it with a key. It's not part of the main Key flow.
1: No, I think it's where you push the the cemetery stones around, isn't it?
0: That could be, yeah. Well, maybe or it's down in the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're onto something there. You're absolutely right. And of course, you're, the reward then is a lot of fun because it's yeah. not a music, musical instrument, but it's a tunic. Yes. Which which, which tunic did you choose? I went red.
1: I went red as well because in my mind I'm like I'm already doing so much damage if I do even more damage how are they going to beat me before I beat them?
0: Red is double attack and blue I think is double defense Defense. basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh which reminds me of the whole power acorns and defense nuts or I can't remember what the defense one is.
1: I can't remember but I do know the power acorns. Mm -hmm. Those were cool. Um, It felt very Super Mario.
0: Yeah. The music's (laughs) exactly the same. Um, There's technically a pattern to it. It's like every 12th enemy that's of a certain size trick it counts really? up and then you get the acorn so speed runners will actually count their enemy hits their their enemy defeats uh-huh. uh so that they can get acorns just as they go into boss battles and stuff like that
1: that's awesome
0: because then if you have the red tunic with double hit and you have an acorn which is like 1.5 hit or something mm-hmm. like that or maybe it's just it seems to me whenever i have the acorn it seems like single hit takes yeah. care of enemies it's kind of funny because they go flying to the other side <laughs> um yeah, wait. Is it a? Is it a security? I think the defense is an acorn, and the attack is like a feather or a leaf or something. It's hard to remember.
1: Yeah, I would have to look I'll it t- up.
0: I know, I know. I might, maybe I'll look it up too here. But anyway, they, I didn't have that in my notes. I just recalled. Yeah. So the color dungeons kind of wedged in. Um, cool. The, so for me, playing the co- I did not play the color dungeon on the. D- I did not play the DX version when it came out. Mm. I just didn't have it. I own it now, but I haven't gotten to the color dungeon on a Game Boy Color. Um, so for me, that was my that was a new experience playing the 2019 version. When oh, I was really? able to play Color Dungeon. And I was like, oh, cool. I was able to kind of retro imagine what it would be like mm-hmm. in 8-bits or whatever. Um, but I was like, oh, I see what they're doing here. That's and cool. even the boss relies on color. So it's not a, you know, usually in a black and white game, they would have to, um, famously, here's an example, in Super Mario Land 2, when um, Mario gets the fire flower, Mm. We all know on a normal Nintendo game, he gets his red and white suit. Yeah, you can't do that on a black and white Game Boy screen, so they had to give him like a weird feather that he wears or something <laughs> like that off his head, so that you could tell that he had a power up because you can't yeah. change the color. So a lot of times with early Game Boy games, th- a lot of these bosses, and, and it's also true in *Link's Awakening*, have large physical changes, their silhouette yeah. changes to to show that they're in a different state or something mm-hmm. like that. But because we now have color um, on on purpose the bad guy doesn't change too much and just changes color yeah it's like a big it's like a big glowing orb in the middle that you're trying to hit Mm -hmm. with different colors and and actually i'm I'm having a hard time remembering what the main mechanic is if you're trying to do you recall (sighs) you're matching the colors i don't know know. yeah i can't
1: remember um but i really did enjoy the the color mechanics in the game i liked all the color enemies a lot Mm -hmm. mainly because they were all really easy um whether it was just defeat these three guys with one hit or my favorite one was the dudes hop around and you have to like they change suit like a card suit and you have yes. to hit them to all match. That one's fun.
0: Yeah, that's in, I think, the very first dungeon.
1: Yeah, they some, introduced that early.
0: Sometimes that's a little um, aggravating for me, but I get it. It's, it's a fun way of just trying to change how you defeat enemies mm-hmm. or like the poles. You have to like you have to bomb them and stuff like that. There's, yeah. there's some good variety. Uh, technically that brings us to catfish maw which is um but getting there you usually encounter the friendly ghost do you remember mr pink ghost and bringing him back into his home oh
1: i was really happy to do that one that one was sad
0: we have an entire blog post on our website about the friendly ghost that celeste roberts wrote
1: good (laughs) as she should i love the friendly ghost it was kind of fun getting to see him just he was so sad and i was happy i got to bring him back to his home yeah
0: absolutely absolutely the, um, the final boss for Catfish Ma, I'm kind of skipping that one. I'm going kind of fast here, um, is the slime eel. It's the one where it kind of comes in and out of all the different yeah. tunnels and tubes and that stuff. That one was
1: pretty easy, just being able to lay like the bombs there for it to eat.
0: Yes, yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. Um, in the Game Boy version, the slime eel, its body parts are circles with hearts on it. It's a very strange graphical choice. Huh. I don't remember that in the 2019 version.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's like that.
0: But anyway, uh, then you get the boomerang and you're moving on to the face shrine. Mm-hmm. Where the heck is the face? Oh, it's in the lower right part of the land. I think, I think face shrine is lower, like to the lower, south like Southwest of animal village, but I am. I will take your word
1: for it. <laughs> this is
0: however, where the rapids ride happens.
1: Yes. Um, rapids ride and you got the hook shot and it is so fun getting to like go all around and I like games where you have to collect a lot of things. It's with a completionist in me. <laughs> I like I like to collect things, and cool. I like to go to the dude and be like, here, I beat your little challenge. Give me, give me all this stuff.
0: Yes. <laughs> so how many times did you do the river ride?
1: Uh, probably like three or four. Yeah. Um, not a ton, because once I did it, I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I beat you. I don't have to do this again type right. thing.
0: Technically, you have to get it within a certain amount of time, and he gives you something that I think does eventually lead to you getting the key to the next dungeon or something like that.
1: Yeah, he gives you something. (laughs) I can't remember what it was, but I felt really achieved when I did it. I think one of them, because he has two different modes, right? There's like two different versions of it. Yes, that's true. I think one of them might give you the key, and I think the other one gives you a heart.
0: That's that's like probably very beast. likely. Also, it's kind of weird that as we're doing this, we're kind of having like vague memories of certain things, even though we've both played this game recently.
1: Yeah. It's very it's a very muddy game in the sense that like a lot of it runs together. Not in a bad way. It's really fun to play, but I think it's because it is a game where you just turn your brain off when you play it. Interesting. That when you're trying to think back to it, you were like, uh, I wasn't thinking at all when I was playing.
0: There this. is a lot of Visual. One of the things that I think is different for the 2019 version is there's a lot of visual variety compared to certainly the original yeah. uh, Game Boy version because the original one was, again, just four shades of gray. Um, they do some clever things in this version where sometimes the angle shifts or the the general palette of an area will the will almost like they'll put like filters Mm -hmm. on things when you go into the when you go into the mysterious woods it's very noticeable there's a palette shift Um, when you go up into like the tall tall heights there's like an orange that kind of layers over everything and i think that that was an effort by grezzo to to have there be a little bit more visual variety and i think they did a great job but still sometimes when you are just looking down at a bunch of blocks maybe it does blend together a little
1: yeah and I, i apologize for that uh I don't know who I'm apologizing to Nintendo, Zelda in general, or it's not a bad game. I want to make that very clear. It's not a bad game. If you haven't played it, you should absolutely play it. It's great. It's a must play. It's a must play. It's fantastic. IG
0: Enuma has said that he thinks it's the pinnacle of 2D Zelda games.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Listen to IG Enuma. Um, But it it is a (laughs) game that it kind of runs together. It's a little, it's a little muddy.
0: Come to think of it. Playing Minish Cap, it is much more def. You know what? But here's the thing. Minish Cap is post-Ocarina of Time. So really the whole, because even, you know, we've we've said many times that the original Mm -hmm. Legend of Zelda is technically, it's debatable, but technically an open world game. You can go anywhere and the whole world is open right from the Uh get-go. And that was the style of, Zelda games at the time, is that even even Link's Awakening, I'm sorry, even a Link to the Past is open-ish, open-world-ish, mm-hmm. you can kind of go anywhere. And so this is still a game that's in that space where, you you know, yes, you have to unlock if you, if you can jump or if you can pick up a rock or whatever. Yeah. But in general, you can kind of go anywhere. And... I'm thinking about Minish Cap right now, and it's much more like, "Oh, now I'm in the new area. Now I'm in the swamp. Now I'm in the whatever," mm-hmm. because it's post Ocarina, where Ocarina was very much like, "Now I've gone. Now I'm going to the Zora area. Yeah. Now I'm going to the Gerudo area." Um, and so this this precedes that. So, so, some of it being a little blurrier is okay. Mm-hmm. Technically, Eagles Tower is the next dungeon. Um, I like the Eagles Tower. I th- I'm having. I think the Eagles Tower is the one where you have it fall down a level, right? You, like, or is that Turtle Rock?
1: Ooh. Oh, I think I it's Eagle's Tower. I think it's, it's Eagle's Tower. Because it's a
0: huge tower. It's like very small, uh-huh. many, many floors.
1: Yeah. because you, you bomb have keep...
0: pillars, the four pillars, right?
1: Yeah, that's definitely Eagle's Tower because I remember being really frustrated with that.
0: <laughs> well, I kind of loved it. I mean, I'm not trying to like be opposite. No, absolutely. But I loved Eagle's Tower and finding those four pillars. And I really got, you know, one of them was like a really tough puzzle. And I, I remember getting really stuck in Eagle's Tower for yeah. a while, probably for like two or three play sessions, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to get to that final pole to to make it fall and what's really Uh neat is that when the when the one layer falls when many layers fall on top and the Uh one floor is removed did you notice that let's just say that it's like floor three that gets removed floor two and four they mush together and it actually changes the layout of this new like hybrid floor and that's that that's what like unlocks the final way to get to the boss and stuff like that yeah it's very cool
1: no those few play sessions that's why i was like not having it (laughs) <laughs> um, because again, I'm not a patient person.
0: Yeah. But
1: um I think what threw me off the most was the fact that I kept having to like go back and forth, try, go back and forth, try, go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that's what was making me frustrated with it. That being said, it is a real really cool mechanic and yeah. it's a really cool dungeon. I'm just not the right person sure. for that dungeon. How did
0: you feel about the boss battle? Another side scrolling boss battle.
1: That one was fine. Um again, I didn't struggle much no, with
0: it. I None remember-
1: of them are too difficult.
0: None of the bosses really are that tough, and 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 the toughest it gets maybe they're like there's two phases or something yeah. to these bosses, like, but Ganon usually was a little
1: difficult. Yeah, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that's true. But um, yeah, the bosses are they would be easily just mid bosses in other games.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But, but I th- also think some of that is to I think the bosses are a little easier in Links Awakening because if we the 2019 version is honoring the original, mm-hmm. and if we think about the original, you are playing. On a blurry gray screen. I was going to say, screen. it's super
1: tiny. It's hard to move it's around. An it's and, and a half wide. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Um, and so in having these bad baddies express their their tells of how they're going to attack next, there wasn't a lot of literal information. There wasn't a lot of literal pixels to display uh-huh. that. So maybe they kept that a little easier because it was just frankly, physically, literally hard to play a little bit. Yeah. And so to have that transfer into the Switch game and have these bosses feel easy in a situation where you have these glorious Switch graphics... Mm-hmm fine
1: yeah i was gonna say i had no issue with that i will take an easy boss over one that i have to fight a million times any day
0: yeah yeah i mean i like a good boss battle but honestly it's not what i like play zelda games for yeah i think some people do i mean when i do have a good boss battle it's like whoa that was super cool Mm -hmm. um but i I really like the dungeons when it comes to zelda games Uh, that does lead us to turtle rock which took me forever to unlock
1: yeah turtle rock was hard
0: um, it took me forever to just, just to make unlock it, it available. Yeah. Yeah,
1: because you have to use pretty much every item that you've had up to that point to kind of do different things.
0: Do you get this magic the magic wand in Turtle Rock or before? I
1: think you get it in Turtle yeah, Rock.
0: Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um,
1: because that's like a really big thing with lighting all the torches and using them yes. against like the little like orb guys, all of that, which I think the magic wand is probably my favorite. Of the abilities that you get.
0: Well, you've also mentioned Turtle Rock many times in this recording. So it's I'm. Cool. I will. I am deducing that it was maybe one of your favorite dungeons.
1: It was my favorite because it was so memorable. I feel like it was so different than the other ones. Yeah. Um, and just like the way you moved around. I liked all the different key puzzles, I liked being able to push everything. Mm-hmm. And. I, when I was using Dope Shack and like building little dungeons for myself I used a lot of the ones from Turtle Rock oh really it. yeah I, I realized I used cool. many of them uh it was cool, too, because I think that's also the one where you get the little machine that you can drive around and fill in all the different spaces. The, yes, yes. And then, like, you unlock things from doing that. And that was a cool mechanic.
0: I really liked it. And that was second or third room in the dungeon. You're like, there's a little pool of lava. And there's clearly four or five little hallways on the other side of that lava pool. And you're like, all right, which one shall I go to? And, uh-huh. you, and you drive the little guy around and and it's make cool. these new pants. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And also, it opens up the unlike the little switchy blocks that I mm-hmm. like which is basically binary. It's like, okay, you can go that way or you can't go that way. And how Mm -hmm. are you going to navigate a yes or a no? With Turtle Rock, it's the opposite of that. It's really like, oh my gosh, you could go any of these five places. Mm. Which one do you choose?
1: I think that's why I like Turtle Rock the most. It felt the most open and the most interactive in that sense. I I liked that interactive ability of, I want to go here, so I'm going to go here. And (laughs) I'm going to figure out what's going on over here. And then I'm going to go back and I'm not going to have anything really get in my way unless, you know, I think there's like a lock to get up to the second floor, but yeah. It's cool.
0: Critics and and game lovers will refer to some Zelda dungeons as what's called like a puzzle box or a, a puzzle yeah. box dungeon and that's when the entire dungeon is a meta puzzle or a mm-hmm. macro puzzle really is the right way of saying that and that different things learning you you go into all these different areas of a dungeon and you you observe them, and when you start going into more areas, you start to contextually understand what other rooms mean.
1: Absolutely. And I
0: feel like Turtle Rock is kind of the beginning of that.
1: Absolutely. And that's why it was so fun, because it felt like every room was building off of each other. It wasn't really repeating the same, but it also wasn't all like completely different, like no like connections at all, that it's like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. It felt very, it, I think it was by far the strongest dungeon, the most cohesive dungeon. I liked, obviously, the dongo snakes that were yeah, in there. Yeah. I love the Dodongo snakes. I think they're so fun. Yeah. Um, I just, I loved it.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Uh, let's see. And then we have, it's Hothead is our main mm-hmm. boss. I remember Hothead and big old flamey face. A lot of faces in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because, again, it wasn't a lot of pixels in the original one. I'm like, what else are you going to do? Um, any, any standouts for that final battle?
1: I don't really remember Hothead much. I'll be so honest. So the
0: reason I ask that question is because I barely remember Hothead. I think maybe it's just like vomit b- 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 or what do we do? Maybe it's magic with the wand. Probably wand yeah. it. you probably just probably keep wanding
1: him. Just yeah.
0: I remember the boss battle not taking very long, or not really yeah. thinking about it too much. It's
1: not too hard. The the boss didn't really make the dungeon for me. The dungeon itself did.
0: Yeah. Cool. Excellent. So technically, obviously, that brings us all all the way to approaching the egg. Yeah. And, and going into the windfish battle, which is interesting because it's something that um i did i my one quote-unquote cheating which i don't think it's cheating that i did do in this game is when the character tells you the up down left right like the pattern to go uh-huh. i did take a picture of absolutely. it with my phone
1: absolutely and then
0: use that because usually are you supposed to remember memorize that? it you're supposed to just memorize it or write it down on paper i, was gonna say, I guess i would
1: have written it down on paper write it down
0: on paper is the same same picture okay yeah cool i feel like if i feel like if i was playing you know I mean I must have written it down when I played yeah. like in 1993 or whatever but
1: Absolutely back when I like before I really had the internet and I was on DS and whatever I would still write that on that kind of stuff cuz like how are you going to remember that mm-hmm. I have I'm a 10 year old I have no memory
0: There's a there's a theme with some Zelda games they will sometimes do a little boss gauntlet at the end of a Zelda game uh-huh. I don't always love them cuz it feels like it's just a tacked on way to make it a little more difficult at the end Yeah or when it's done right, it's like a victory lap of all these bosses you did have to do. Mm-hmm. For you, th- for me, this is kind of a boss gauntlet. Um, inside the egg, uh, I don't know. How did you experience it?
1: I just plowed through it. Yeah, I it wasn't really felt. It didn't feel like a victory lap. It felt like okay, here you guys, here, here are these guys again. I guess I'll just like hit them again. Um, yeah. Which I feel like Dompey Shack didn't really help with with the fact that you constantly had to keep fighting these guys anyway. Oh, interesting. And his like shack so by the time i reached them there i was like i can get all of these guys done in two hits yeah i know I every bit about them
0: every little bit and i didn't do the Dante stuff that's interesting yeah i mean i pushed through
1: yeah so that it wasn't like a, oh my gosh this again but it also wasn't like anything spectacular because mm-hmm. i had already done this yeah. a million times like in this other area
0: i'm also realizing that you hit you fought ganon but this is you have, this is your first experience with, like, any version of a Ganon or anything, right?
1: Yeah, other than tears, this is, like, Pig Ganon.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me be more specific. This is your first time interfacing with any kind of 2D Ganon. Yeah. Which is basically Pig Ganon, and he basically zaps around and basically always throws a trident. Or always. I was going to say,
1: I was like, this dude is so overpowered for no reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs>
1: was definitely the hardest fight in the game. Um, not that it was, like, absurd, but it was still, like... I looked up um on, on Zelda Dungeon, like how do I how do I beat this guy? Because yeah. I'm tired of like
0: this. It's him him zip zapping around and, and usually throwing a trident is kind of his kind of thing up to mm-hmm. this point. Um oh and the next game would be Ocarina after this, where where the the Ganon where Ganondorf. I was is say even Ganondorf. Invented. The the character of Ganondorf is invented at the game the game after this. So at this point, it was very much part of the normal Language of Zelda games that you're going to have this pig guy zip zapping around at Mm -hmm. the end and there it is. And I don't know why Ganon is necessarily in this dream. I don't know if Link has informed that or where that comes from canonically, but we don't have to dive into it
1: too much. I was going to say, I don't think they even really mentioned that it's Ganon. I think it's just like he's here. Yeah. And that's that's the end of it. Because they don't even really say like, oh, all of this is happening because of Ganon or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just like he just happens to be there. My
0: If I, w- I want to get kind of heady, my idea would be that like the memory, Link's memory of him from A Link to the Past somehow is infiltrating this dream. Absolutely. And that's why it's there. That's what I
1: was going to say. Maybe a part of like Link's own nightmare or something yeah. coming in.
0: Oh, that's right. All these bosses are called nightmares. Yeah. Gosh, we totally skipped that part.
1: Yeah. So I, I would always kind of imagine it was like Link's nightmare of Ganon yeah. coming in.
0: Yeah, cool. And then uh we then we are then we see the windfish.
1: Yeah, and it's a really sad moment. It has like a really interesting introspective of the fact that it's like you're not the main character here. Like this is my dream. This mm-hmm. is my world. You need to leave. You are not supposed to be here. Um which is kind of a cool moment. I always enjoy those moments in games or movies or whatever where what you think is the main character and who you're playing as in your own world as the main character, other characters being like, you're not special. Like, you're, you're not the main character. You need to, like, stop acting like it and, like, get out of here. I, I think those moments are really cool because it kind of, like, puts your worldview in a spin of being like, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm just some guy running around this person's dream.
0: Yeah. I also think this is a product of Link's Awakening originating as a side project and Nintendo... Bi- uh, big money bags nintendo not the designers big money mm-hmm. bags nintendo was probably like yeah 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 let's get a zelda game on the game boy that sounds great and like not too many people are gonna play it, it actually sold very very well yeah not too many people are gonna play it or, di- or dissect it too much it's not gonna like hurt our brand if it's not great or anything because you would never have a mainline console zelda even ask these kinds of questions exactly
1: and that's why like the game was good i enjoyed it but it was really the ending that sold it for me. Yeah. And that's like the ending was what I went to my roommate and just h- had to sit and talk to her about. And I showed her like the opening and ending cutscenes yeah. of the game because I was like, I just this is incredible. Like, this game is like thinking three steps ahead meta. I love games like that. Yeah. So that really threw me for a loop.
0: There's there's a fair amount of emotion there. And it was the first Zelda game to bring that kind of emotion in. It started setting the standard for the games to come. Um, also, a fun little fact, this is the beginning of Big Fish and Zelda games.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs>
0: The Windfish is really the kind of the first one, you know, then we've got what Jabu Jabu in Ocarina and then Jaboon in Wind Waker and stuff like that. And fun fact, in Breath of the Wild, I don't remember exactly which Leviathan it is, but one of the Leviathans, it might be the one in the desert or it's the one in the frozen mountain, mm. absolutely looks like it's the windfish, by the way.
1: I'll have to go back and look at that. So
0: there's a little bit of chatter that the three Leviathans in Breath of the Wild are Jabu. King Jabu Jabu Jaboon and the Windfish.
1: That's cool. I'll have to go back and look There's at that. There's
0: one that like p- clearly properly has like a whale skull uh-huh. to it. And anyways, maybe that's just a fun little Easter egg. I do remember playing Breath of the Wild and coming across like basically a whale skeleton and being uh-huh. like, uh, is that the windfish?
1: I mean that is I really like that thought. I am curious though how that would relate to tears. Cause there is that uh, side quest in tears where you find more of them and kind of yeah. put them back together.
0: Yeah, I agree. I know. And I think tears kind of goes fast and loose with it all. But when Breath of the Wild, and also there's a whole, well, obviously this is a continuing side thread on this show and in Zelda fandom in general. But the, if Breath of the Wild is reality and all the previous Zelda games are stories and legends, that probably happened to some degree. Uh-huh. The story of Link going into a windfish's dream it isn't even a fish by the way the windfish is a whale which is a mammal uh-huh. but we don't have to get into that um going into the dream and having this whole story if if link's awakening is a legend which is a story that exists in the breath of the wild universe that story would have probably been spawned like constellations yeah, in the sky based off of from it. that whale skeleton in mm-hmm. breath of the wild
1: i love that i'm someone that's a huge fan of like real life mythologies yeah. and like cultures. And I, I love so, that kind of stuff
0: said another way. It's not that the skeleton in breath of the wild is the wind fish, but it might've inspired the, it. It's that the wind fish story yeah. was inspired by that skeleton.
1: That's cool. cool.
0: I don't know. Some people like that idea. Some people don't. Cause they, they, they don't want, they don't like the idea that some of these like awesome legend of Zelda games aren't quote unquote reality. Yeah. But, but we've explored this before on the show a legend is always based in some reality. Yeah. You know? And so um, anyways, that's just something to consider, but it is kind of fun that in, at least even from an emotional level, the wind fish is kind of in breath of the wild.
1: Yeah, man. I love the Zelda fandom as a whole. I love all the theories that come out of it. I love everyone kind of pulling together and like, let's be honest. Nintendo probably wasn't thinking anything of it, but Nintendo
0: didn't care about timeline and almost until Skyward Sword, which is only two Zelda games ago. Exactly.
1: But everyone is like coming together and like attaching things to each other and just kind of accepting it as group truth Yeah, and making what they want out of the games. And I mm-hmm. think that's so great.
0: I think so too. Every Zelda game famously starts story last. Is that the right way to say that? Um, the, all the designers have talked about this, the main producers, everything. When a new Zelda game is being made, they start making the game first and they start considering what mechanics might be interesting and what mm-hmm. the play experience might be. And then there's a whole story, like even with Tears, there was a whole story team that came in, I don't know, one third of the way through production to figure out, like, okay, well, how do we wrap a story around this game Which that's is being made?
1: Fascinating.
0: So with Zelda games, the stories usually do deliver, they usually are good, but story comes second with Zelda games. Yeah.
1: Man, that's so fascinating. I I've always imagined story first with like, everything. With
0: anything, right. And that's also why there are so many canonical inconsistencies with Zelda games. And I think Nintendo's fine with that. And so I, as a Zelda fan, am also fine with that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was going to say, you know what? It's not bad. It's not bad games. And yeah. they're all great. And it just lets the fans have more uh, freedom in I'm what a, they're doing with it.
0: I'm also a very large... I don't talk about this often. I'm a big Jurassic Park fan. I have mentioned that. But I'm also a big Star Wars fan. Mm. And... um one of the most fun things about new star Wars post Disney star Wars or, you know, whatever pre now that, you know, whatever, one of the most fun things about star Wars in general is that there is a solid canon line. Uh Like everything fits into, and they're very, very strict about having everything fit into this massive story. Mm -hmm. And that's a ton of fun. But when I am being a Zelda fan, I've, uh, I've decided that I don't need that in my Zelda fandom. It's okay.
1: Yeah. I feel very similar about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Mm. where everything fits together in a certain way, but at times it can almost get a little exhausting. That being said, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Like, don't get me wrong. I've watched all the (laughs) stuff. Um, But at times it's like it's kind of nice just being able to connect it how you want to connect it, um, which is why I'm really happy that the Sony Venom is kind of its own thing and not really connected to the MCU. But I digress.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Cool, excellent. Any final thoughts? This has been a long one. I usually let the review episodes go a little long. This has been probably about an hour and a half episode. Okay. Um, We're going to take a solid break here, probably have some lunch, and then we're going to record those other two episodes. But any final thoughts on your experience playing Link's Awakening?
1: I'm glad I gave it a second chance. Um, oh, I, yeah, That's right. I'm really glad I gave it a second chance because I it was a game that I got And it was before I was a part of another Zelda podcast. I got it because I loved Breath of the Wild. I thought Breath of the Wild was so great. So I got Link's Awakening next. Because
0: it's the next Zelda game that came out. It was the next one that
1: came out. Oh my gosh. And I opened it and I was like, what is this? (laughs) What? uh, Is this a cash grab? What what is happening? And because I didn't fully realize at the time either that it was from something.
0: Oh, you didn't realize it was like a remake or a...
1: I mean, it says like remastered remake, but I didn't know how far back. Sure. I knew nothing about Zelda. Yeah. So I yeah, was just wow. like, I was immediately turned off. I thought about selling it for a while. I was just like, I'm not ever going to play this. Then I came on to AZP and it was like, you know what? I should give it another shot for being able to talk about it. And I'm so glad I did because yeah. it actually is a very, very good game. I was just really thrown off because I knew nothing.
0: When it comes... Yeah. When it comes to the spectrum of Zelda game styles... Breath and Link's Awakening are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, not even just in gameplay, but also in story-wise, in uh, art style. It, they're completely different, mm-hmm. um, which was like huge shock when I yeah. first tried to play it. Um, well,
0: you are you know, like when they talk about, you know, people who are like food reviewers, they start to build their palate and they start to know more by having all these different flavors that they taste. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you're starting that journey exactly.
1: now. Exactly. And now I did the same thing with Skyward Sword. It took me a second. I was like, oh. Played again, s- stopped, restarted it now for the third time. Wow. Um, but I'm actually like playing through and really, really enjoying it now that I'm actually like fully into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the fact that I was Skyward. It was, I wasn't really paying attention to the story. And then I was like, this sucks. There's no story. Because <laughs> there's a lot of reading in the game. Let's in be Skyward? Honest. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of reading in Skyward yes. of like, telling the, the story.
0: Especially off the top. That first yeah. third is like a lot of... There's
1: a lot. A lot of talking. And so I just was skipping through. Because I was oh. like, I want to get to the game. I want to get to the game. And then when I got to the game, I was like, there's no story here.
0: <laughs> I skipped it by accident. Yeah.
1: So And then it was the same thing with the Joy-Cons. I started with the motion controls. Oh, my. And... It was really rough. It was really hard to play that game with motion controls. And so now that I have it this third time, I'm reading the story, and I'm really enjoying it because of that. And I turned off motion controls, and so I'm really enjoying it because of that. And
0: so you're playing it, like, pro controller style or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just
1: playing it like a normal game, and I enjoy it. Yeah. That is so loud. That was a
0: huge motorcycle. Something (laughs) just moved by the studio. Cool. Well, that's I great. Know, I, I think Link's
1: Awakening is great. Play it if you haven't played it.
0: I'm so happy we had this episode. I'm so... Yeah, I think I think people should. If... Yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Play yeah. it is great. <laughs> play it is great. It is. And it's a wonderful remake. It is a... It's It's updated with its graphics. The most controversial thing they did is that in the Game Boy game, you go screen by screen. It scrolls yeah. screen by screen, kind of like the Dungeons. Um, And in this game, they had it be a smooth scroll. And the only downside in my opinion, for the 2019 version, is the upside is you get this cool, cute, little smooth scroll. It looks like you're looking at a little board mm-hmm. game. Um, the downside is sometimes Link can see things in the world that th- in the original design you couldn't. So like, um, there's moments where you're like in the forest and you can kind of see a little bit of Animal Village because the screen has scanned to yeah. the right. And in the Game Boy version, you didn't even realize that you're on the tile right next to Animal Village. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes the Game Boy game felt a little bigger yeah. Because you couldn't see as much, weirdly. Um, but I also think that's why Nintendo chose this style of like looking down at a little clay model. Yeah. So they're just like, hey, guess what? It isn't large. The map actually isn't that big. Oh, one other thing I really enjoyed about the 2019 version the tiny little thing, but the user interface design and mm. aesthetic is Breath of the Wild's design and aesthetic. So yeah. it's like the big, it's the big, long, ovaly buttons and stuff. Mm. And uh, the way the save works is very similar. And I kind of liked that basically it's like, oh, okay. And actually Age of Calamity did it too. It's like, yeah. oh, this is the aesthetic. This is the user interface aesthetic for Zelda games on, on Switch. And I'm glad you yeah. did that.
1: I really like it. And that was one thing that was easier to adapt to, other than like the game mechanics and like everything kinda threw me off. But that the interface is very similar. Which was very
0: helpful for me. Cool, cool. Well, now what we're going to have to do is, you know, three years from now, we're going to have to have you dive into the actual Game Boy one and Absolutely. see what, see how you feel about it.
1: I'll do that in a heartbeat.
0: Probably the one that's going to be the weirdest is like doing Minish Cap on your Switch or something. But that's not bad. Minish Cap is post-Ocarina. So there are Ocarina vibes. But anyway, mm-hmm. cool. Well, Katie, thank you so much for playing this.
1: Thank you. Talking uh, thank about you it. for getting me back onto it.
0: Thank you for allowing me to get back into these review episodes. It's, it's been a couple <laughs> years. I'm really happy to start doing it again. All right, if people want to find you on the internet, they can do that where and how?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at mindofkady, K-A-D-Y, like Katy Perry, but replace the T with a D. I've started saying that now. Fair enough. Um, And also, if you want to see any of my voiceover work, you can find me at katieroberts.com. Other than that, mm-hmm. though, you can always just check out another Zelda podcast, uh, the website. Indeed. It's uh, another uh, Zelda podcast.com.
0: Well, look at you taking us out.
1: I know. And uh, you can see all the most recent episodes. You can find links to everyone, including all the people that work behind the scenes, because we might be the voices of the podcast. But there's a lot of folks that work behind the scenes and you should get to know them and see them on the website.
0: Indeed. Indeed. We can find another Zelda podcast on Instagram and Twitter, Instagram. And I'm just going to call it Twitter, Instagram and Twitter uh, at another Zelda pod and another Zelda podcast. We do. I have been uh, boosting up our threads posts now as well. Hmm. So um, I think we're another Zelda podcast on threads and that's mostly it. We do have um, a couple extra videos and stuff on our YouTube channel little quick reviews some unboxings and all that kind of stuff people can find me personally on the internet at raptor paint it's just like katy perry just replace the k-a-d-k-a-t-y-p-e-r-r-y with r-a-p-t-o-r-p-a-i-n-t and you'll find me um and uh that's good enough for now Katie, i'll see you in another episode <laughs> <laughs> to do it
1: you <laughs> you're like room, grimacing so. right now i was like oh is it sound that cringe when i say it
0: <laughs> no i wanted i wanted it to be a i wanted it to be a bit A bit much. All right, there it is. Everybody, we'll see see you in two weeks where in which Katie and I will be talking about, oh, our favorite places to live in Zelda games.
1: Yes, where we would love to live. Not necessarily favorite
0: places, where we want to live. Where
1: we would live. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. It's
0: just going to be every campfire in Breath of the Wild is going to be my... No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. All right, (laughs) cool. Outdoorsman. We'll see you all in two weeks.
1: Bye-bye.